Blog Talk Radio. to talk about not a lot coming up this week and we got that one big card but uh still a lot of quality action so uh, happy monday if i sound like barry yes. white uh it's because i'm sick <laughs> mm. ladies and gentlemen if you want to call in uh they're already being lined up three four seven two one five seven five nine eight and if you want to join us on twitter at steve uc and live and at gabriel underscore montoya we're going to be here for at least 90 minutes, going all the way up to two hours, if needed, with bonus championship rounds. And joining us at 5 o'clock with the box office report and the weekend wrap-up. And he's got some stories from the Fight Hotel, a staple of our show, Mr. KO Tickets, Jim Boone. But let's get started with round number one. We go to the StubHub Center in Carson, a.k.a. Waterworld, on ESPN. <laughs> the WBO featherweight title is retained by Oscar Valdez as he defeats Scott Quigg. Valdez goes to 24-0, and and Quigg drops to 34-2-1. and The scorecard, 118-110, and then two cards at 117-111. Gabe, you could say what you want about Oscar Valdez and pick apart some of his flaws, but on an effort like this, we have to really focus on the intangibles, the heart, the toughness, the grit, the fighting spirit. I don't know how long of a ride it's going to be with Oscar Valdez, especially after these past 36 consecutive rounds. But hold on, strap up, it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah, you know, I think these days fans kind of, uh, because, of, you know, it's the sweet science and, and people really like to, to break down stuff with video, uh, you know, which I, I like. There's a guy, uh, uh, a few guys on YouTube that make great, you know, breaking down the sweet science videos, but uh, uh, wow, somebody's buzzing at my door. Um, but uh, the bottom line is, like you said, you got to just enjoy the fight sometimes. You know, Dante Wilder, but so many guys, oh, he's technically this and that. Um, he's knocked everybody out. He hasn't lost. Relax. And with, with Oscar Valdez, I found myself kind of get, turning into the, the, the couch technician and going, he pulls his hands back low. Uh, he kind of goes all in too fast, and so he's tired of the back end of the fight. And I was like, you know what? Relax and enjoy the ride. Uh, it's going to be a short one with Oscar Valdez because he gets hit way too much. Uh, he sticks around for the receipt a bit after after landing shots. Uh, but pure durability and, and whatever uh, you know he's lacking in technique, 
uh, he makes up for in, in pure effort, pure guts, to have his teeth rearranged, his nose broken, and to be uh, or his jaw broken, and to be pushing through the way he did was uh, really something special, uh, and truly just just you know moves into the uh, the annals of of StubHub lore. Gabe, I was able to speak to Frank Espinoza, the manager for Mr. Valdez, earlier. He finally got looked at by an oral surgeon in Beverly Hills. It was not a surgery. He wants to make it clear. It's a medical procedure. They wired the jaw shut, and so he'll be incapacitated for at least five to six weeks. And Frank made it very clear. We're not even thinking about the next bite. Everything will be on the doctor's order. And I believe R&R, rest and relaxation, is really going to be the prognosis for Valdez, and we got to get to this with Scott Quick. He didn't make weight, in fact, didn't come within spitting distance of it. And you know what, Gabe? Uh, I'll give Quig the benefit of the doubt based on my personal relationship and what I know about him and how hard he works and how much he loves the sport of boxing. Do I think he had a fractured foot, and do I think that affected his cardiovascular training and therefore his ability to cut weight? Yeah, uh, maybe I'm naive. Maybe I still believe in the tooth fairy. But I think there are times when fighters have legitimate reasons not to make weight. Okay, the problem that I have, and, you, and I think you saw my back-and-forth thing with Sir Edward Hearn of Matchroom Sports, there, <laughs> are, there are cases and I, where in a situation like this, where the fight goes on and the aggrieved party says, okay, I, I will give up the weight, I have a right to say, but wait a minute, Let, let's level the playing field. Uh, I shredded my body. I went to the sauna for 72 hours. I've eaten, on, eaten only a leaf of lettuce and a lima bean the last day and a half. Um, is it out of the realm of reasonability, if that's even a word, to say, wait a minute, okay, since you came in three pounds heavier, I'm not going to make you lose one more ounce. I just don't want you to gain 10 more pounds by next afternoon. How is that considered unreasonable? Well, I don't think it is. It's just that most everybody gains more than 10 pounds, it seems, these days. Uh, and so, But Gabe, you know, those I, are guys I, who make the weight. Right, but I mean... That's a huge way, difference. If you like make the weight, gain whatever you want. But when you have not sacrificed for the last toughest percentages of your body, I'm sorry, those rules don't exist for you, or they shouldn't. Well, this is the thing I've been trying to figure out is because he was what 2.8 over, which is a lot. And I mean, you're walking to the scales clearly knowing that you're not going to make it. Um, how does he make weight? What's his, is he a, you know, dehydrate and starve down slowly through the week guy? Or is he like Victor's guys that seem to, to do it just, I think the night before and they do the hot bath thing and they just push out like 10 or 12 pounds the night before. What's his method? Because I've, I've, they're talking about this foot thing, but, what is it? Does he run a bunch right at the end and lose those last few pounds? Like, it seems like one has nothing to do with the other, in my opinion, depending on how he makes weight. But I'm curious about this. I saw you mention it, a few other people, this next day weigh in thing. And IBF had that rule. My question about that is are we just prolonging the the dehydration and starvation that these guys are going through for both guys until the next morning so that they can make weight? And then just go about the normal process of rehydrating a bunch. Like, it, it just doesn't seem to me to be that much. It's like a Band-Aid on a, on, a, on a major wound. I think the whole system needs to be looked at of, weight, of, of making weight. I think guys need to, everybody needs to be monitored through camp. Enough of these gaining 15 pounds. I think 10 should be the hard limit, 
if you make weight or don't make weight, because this is ridiculous. We saw some well, like w- watching the Indongo fight. Uh, he looked flat to me. Rancis Bartholomew looked flat to me, and he was talking during the week. I can fight from thirty-five to forty-seven. That means you cut a ton of weight, and you're playing Russian roulette with your performance. Well, Oscar Valdez reportedly came in right around 136.2, so he was right on that 10-pound threshold. Scott yeah. Quick came in technically as a welterweight. No matter what Eddie Hearn wants to tell me, if you're above 140, you are a welterweight. Yep. Bottom line, cut and dried. And, and the other issue is, and I've said this, we have now taken the genie out of the bottle, and there's no getting it back. We're not going back the same day morning of weigh-ins. And this right. whole system of actually weighing in, not 24 hours prior, really about 28 to 30 at times, you have created this whole culture of sucking down weight, trying to cheat the system or at least game it, and then try to come in as big as possible. There has to be some sort of integrity in terms of the weight classes. Uh, I saw yeah. a fight earlier on Friday, Ivan Baranchek just absolutely dismantling Peter Petrov, a pretty good fighter who was simply outgunned. It's, it's another example. Even when guys play by the rules like these two did on a level playing field from that perspective, you saw how weights matter. And yeah. to me with Scott Quigg, the thing that's really disgusting about this is that in my view, we really don't know if Oscar Valdez would have suffered a broken jaw or not with or without him making weight. It could have been a particular punch. It could have been just the right punch at the right moment. But Scott Quigg was hit with some body shots that I believe a lot of other featherweights who had to go through that sacrifice to make weight and are a little bit physically depleted in terms of size and strength, well, I don't know if they would have been stopped, but they wouldn't have been marching forward for 36 minutes. See, all this talk of, well, Valdez doesn't have great power. I disagree. He was hitting a welterweight. And also, the fight prior to that, Genesis Cervania, a tough Filipino, had never been dropped before. Finally hits the canvas. Miguel yeah. Mariaga, another tough, big, strong guy. Very sturdy. He got dropped by Valdez. Uh, Valdez, to me, was exploited with his own passion for the sport. I, I got a call from Frank Espinoza Friday night. I'm at the Yard House after the Golden Boy fights. And he said, Steve, I don't want to hear any reports that the fight is done. It's not. And I'm advising my guy not to do it without a second-day weigh-in. There's just way too much precedent in situations like this where almost every other fighter that broke the rules says, oh, wait a minute, let's try to make this right a little bit. I'll weigh in the next day. I, I, I just have a problem with the way Quig and Hearn are saying, ah, well, you know, we didn't feel good. We didn't do it again. Yeah, I bet you feel better than Oscar Valdez right now. I don't know. Look at his face. But, yeah, Valdez is pretty beat up as well. I, I, you know, you look at the math, and it's like if he'd have made weight and then come in at the 142.2, I think he was the next day, uh, you know, he puts on 10.6 pounds. So he's kind of right in that threshold of what you're talking about. But his body shut down. Uh, I still – I go back to, you know, if we're looking at the guy that, that screwed up and start to write rules for him, we have to go back and say, well, what what is it that he's doing that – you know, this inexact science that his body shut down, he tried to make weight, did like four sessions is what he said, and he couldn't knock it off. We got to look at that practice. And, and, and like you, I think you talked about this. He was talking about moving up to 130 or somebody tweeted that to you. Yeah, someone uh, tweeted that. I, I didn't get that firsthand. And, and Scott Quick's strength and conditioning coach is a guy by the name of Gavin McMillan, 
who's worked yeah. with Cotto. He's worked with many world-class athletes. This is not a neophyte. This guy has a good track record. That's why I tend to believe Quig's alibi. Yeah. That yes, that he did have an injury that affected his conditioning, but they turned that into a physical advantage the next night. There's something about that that doesn't sit right. Listen, Oscar Valdez is a big boy. He knows what he's getting into. He knows yeah. he's going to get hit. He knows with his style it might be damaging, but he still has the right to a fair fight. I'm not – I just – again, there's something about that I'm like – and I believe at this point – and you know what? To defend Eddie Hearn a little bit, he's right. His side has no obligation to do the second-day weigh-in. They might have a moral one, but they don't have a legal one. Now it is yeah. up to the commissions or the ABC to say in situations like this, if the fight will proceed, then we are going to have protocols in place for the next morning and afternoon that this doesn't happen. So it's now if you make it a rule, then it becomes an absolute obligation. But Oscar Valdez, it would not surprise me if we did not see him the rest of 2018, but he certainly added to the lore of the StubHub Center. Gabe, in regards to the Vences de Leon draw, which I thought was perfect, I don't think either guy deserved to win, was it one of those cases where both guys hated each other so much, had so much pent-up animosity, they didn't know what the hell to do with it inside the ring? They didn't let it go. They didn't let it all hang out. They both, I felt, spent most of the time, uh, instead of being staying in the pocket, they stayed in their heads. It was like they were afraid to lose their, their undefeated record as opposed to, you know, daring for a win. Uh, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't understand it. I mean, I interviewed Andy. He's in fantastic shape, uh, best shape I'd seen him in. He's been kind of on that, that uh, you know, like I think this is his third fight, kind of doing all the Remy training and all, all the stuff that they do up at Snack and, and just felt great. And I watched him in the fight, and I'm like, you're not, you're not just – I don't know what the game plan is, but you told me that you, you felt like you were going to knock him out early. Uh, this that that just was not the fight that I saw, and it didn't even look like the effort that I saw. So I agree with you. Like I, you know, I think you could maybe shade it on ring generalship for for Andy. Uh, I might be biased just because I'm up here covering him, uh, but I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Eric DeLeon's. I've I've championed him uh, in the past, uh, but just it was like neither guy did enough to really be to to make the other guy lose. So yeah, in my view. It was kind of like a lesser, lower version of when George Groves fought DeGale. That mm. maybe it was too soon. And then maybe if they need to do it again, do it years later. There's no need to run this back. Let both guys get experience. Let the yeah. stakes be higher. And maybe if you do it in three, four years, things have happened. They've evolved as fighters. They mature. And they're much more able to handle this spotlight than they were on Saturday night. So, again, it's a draw. It is like sisting, uh, kissing your sister. Nobody goes home worse for wear. Gabe, going to <laughs> San Antonio, Texas at the newly renovated Freeman Coliseum, and some would say it's putting lipstick on a pig, but I thought we had a pretty good main event here on Showtime. Mikey Garcia is now a four-time world champion, defeating Sergey Lipinets in 12 rounds of scorecards, 116-111 and 117-110 twice. Gabe, I'll be honest, though. Uh, I thought Lipinets acquitted himself very well. My personal scorecard had it 7-5 Garcia and with the knockdown. It makes it 115-112. For all of Mikey Garcia's aspirations about eventually sooner rather than later going up to welterweight, I thought this was a bit of a reality check. 
Yeah. Um, you know, if you'd have fought Pacquiao when they were talking about it, uh, that would have been a problem. That, that might have been a shortened, <laughs> yeah, shortened career there. <laughs> you know, I, I think that uh, Lipinets looked better, it is better than he was in that, that condo fight. Uh, yeah. He looked a little wild and just a little, you know, he's fighting for that belt. I think that, that affected him. Here he was much more measured and, and just a tighter guard, tighter punching form. Uh, tough guy, you know. Not the most elusive, but it was working for him here. And Because Mikey likes that slower pace, uh, Lipinets was able to get some things done and landed some monster shots on, on Mikey. Um, I, I was very impressed with him. But I'm like, you know, this career, okay, now you're a four-division you know, belt holder. That's a pretty thin resume. Like it should – there should be more fans. There should be more fanfare, uh, and there should be, you know, a, more of a direction. Where does where does he go from here? Back down and wait to begin campaigning at 135. It, it's just it, it's a strange move, but a hell of a fight. I mean, I was very impressed with Mikey. I just think he's probably best at 135. I don't really understand the move here, besides disrupting Mikey somebody Garcia else's career. Once again, showed his class, and on this night had to show his toughness. Took some really good shots, and he's just a master craftsman, the ultimate sniper. Mm. But yeah. I, I want to give credit to my man, hey, baby, Buddy McGirt. Uh, he did a great job of jockeying in that corner, knowing that Lipinets could not make a lot of mistakes. And even after the seventh-round knockdown off that perfect counter-left hook, Lipinets in rounds eight and nine had some really good moments, and I thought he won the 12th. I was like, that, that's a classic performance. That is the type of effort in a loss that actually raises a guy's stock. So congratulations yes. to him. And Mikey Garcia has an issue now, Gabe. I, based on this, if they are realistic with themselves, they're not talking Errol Spence or Keith Thurman or Terrence Crawford at 147. And if you're talking about going back down to 35, the M in Mikey, you know what it stands for? Mercenary. He wants the biggest money fights. Well, okay. If indeed Lomachenko Linares is like the phoenix rising from the ashes for May 12th, and I think it will eventually come to fruition, Gabe, those are the two biggest money fights out there. Is he moving back down to unify with Robert Easter, who the IVF just said, hey, you have to face that tough African guy again, Richard Comey. I'm not so sure where this goes in the immediate future. And, you know, uh, Comey's a problem. I, I, I think yes, he is. If he has to fight Easter again, I, I kind of I like the changes that he made. There was some fire Ooh. in his belly, and you, you could and Andre Rozier. Yeah, Andre Rozier did a fantastic job uh, reclaiming that guy, getting him refocused. Uh, you know, he's using the right, using the left. I guess one guy in his, in his corner focuses on the right hand, and the other guy uh, <laughs> works on the left hand. A left-handed hey, coordinator and a right-handed coordinator. It's like football, Gabe. And you know what I love about Rozier? And I watched the Showtime Extreme broadcast last night, and this is coaching. This is being the adult. This ain't trying to wave pom-poms. Comey still has rough edges, like his right hand gets really wide, his punching frame isn't as tight as it needs to be. But I love yeah. the fact Rozier is wiping down his fighter's face, and he says, son, I'm going to be honest with you. Congratulations, you know, but I'm not 100% happy with you. In other words, we're getting right back to work. Don't let a great finish uh, diminish from the fact I see a lot of mistakes, that if you want to be a Robert Easter, you got to get better, and I'm going to make sure I do my part. Thumbs up to Andre Rozier. We have enough cheerleaders in this sport. And, Gabe, I'm just going to let you explain this. You are the Cuban advocate. What the hell was Lance's Bartholomew doing on Saturday? That is about the most aimless, passionless 
listless performance I've ever seen. You know, it was weird, too, as the announcer was like, you know, he looks more muscular this time out. And, you know, it looks like he had a, had a great camp. And then you watch his fight, you know, and a few rounds later, the same announcer's going, what's up with this guy? What's, what's wrong yeah. with him? I, you know, I, I, again, like, I wonder about the weight. You know, the, I, that's what I want to know. What's his method for making weight? And how do you recover from that? Uh, because he looked like crap in there. And he just got outworked, uh, out-hustled, uh, out-fought. And and he had these spurts, like he expected something to happen, and then and then he would just like you know throw a combination to the body, it would land, and then he wouldn't do anything. It was a very strange performance. Yeah, I hate giving out cliches like, well, one guy just wanted it more, because, you know, because it's not always about that. Talent no. and execution matter. But Carol Relic's a solid, tough, rugged guy. I'm not gonna lie to you, I thought he just gave more of himself than Rancis Bartholomew who just kind of put on the gloves and was out there for 36 minutes aimlessly. I just That was a very strange yeah. performance, given the fact that for a guy like Bartholomew and a guy like Rella, too, the belts really matter because Jeez, yeah. those belts will get you fights, and if you become the B-side in a unification bout to Mikey Garcia, you're looking at pretty good money. I don't know what Bartholomew now does after this type of loss. And again, yeah. moving ahead to Saturday, it is... St. Patrick's Day, which means it's Michael Conlon time at the theater of Madison Square Garden. But the main event is for the vacant 140-pound title of the WBC. Jose Ramirez takes on Amir Imam. Gabe, I wish every vacant title fight was like this. You have two young, hungry guys. One of them tripped up to Granados, but he's kind of built himself back with a couple of wins. And Ramirez, who had a bit of a statement victory over Mike Yeson, Deed Reed, stakes are high. I, I like this fight. I think it's going to be a real Donnybrook. Uh, yeah, it's going to be an action fight. And it's nice that, you know, Amir Imam, uh, unlike, you know, most Don King fighters, actually got some fights in last year. Yes, he uh, did. So, you know, so he's going to be sharp. Like you said, he's, uh, he's three fights removed from, from that stoppage loss to Adrian Granados. And, uh, I think he's got that same problem on his hands and Jose Ramirez uh, Granados crowded him, uh, overwhelmed him, worked him to the body uh, and, and just didn't let it, uh, Amir Imam get uh, off his long range game. Cause he's a taller guy at five ten and a half. and uh, Ramirez is five ten. I mean, he was taller than Granados is what I meant. Uh, but, but you know, Ramirez likes to crowd in, crack you to the body and just overwhelm you with aggression uh, and, 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 you know, clean, hard uh, volume punching. Uh, so it's going to be a, a tough night for Amir. I wish all, all vacant title belts, uh, title fights were, were, were like this because uh, it's, you know, I didn't want to see Jose Ramirez get an easy one just to get a belt. I want to know more about him at the next level. I I've liked him since the Olympics and he's turned into this draw. I, I didn't expect that. Uh, now I want to see if he could take it to New York and, and win on the biggest stage. It could be a, yeah. a surprise star in boxing. You know, 25 years old, Jose Ramirez has now gotten his man strength. And Freddie Roach told me a couple of weeks ago, he goes, Steve, nobody wants to catch Jose Ramirez now on the mitts. It hurts. And I asked Jose uh, last week, and he said, just Steve, I am punching harder. I, I am not that kid that first stepped into this gym in 2012. And, again, Amir Imam got caught looking ahead against Adrian Granados. But with that said, he still had problems with that pressure-swarming style of Granados, who is certainly much more battle-tested, but I don't think he has the physical tools of Ramirez. Ramirez is the house fighter represented by top rank, and I think that 
will play a factor. Gabe, I like Ramirez to bring this title back to the Central Valley in what will be a fun, entertaining scrap. I do too. I, I, I think he's he's going to pull it out. I don't know if he gets the stoppage. I want to know about his power uh, against you know uh, a, a guy like this. Two guys been stopped. He, he probably should get him out of there, but uh, definitely he's going to win. I, I just don't. I just don't think the Mira mom's going to be able to like physically hold him off. Also on this ESPN card, and the co-feature will be for the WBC interim title at 175. The nail Alexander Gavozic takes on Mehdi Amar, Michael Conlon, Felix Verdeo, Christopher Diaz, and Jose Pedraza. Round out the fight. You can watch that on Watch ESPN app and all that other good stuff. Let's go to the Twitter timeline. Of course, we lead off with our first man, the president, Andrew V. Kennedy. He asks, is Triple G really that upset about Canelo's failed test, or is he trying to get in Canelo's head a bit with his recent statements? Now, Gabe, I was able to go up to Big Bear with some other media members last Wednesday, right in the immediate aftermath of the news last week. I'll be honest, Gabe, because Gennady was in a very good mood. I mean, he said some strong stuff. I just think it's a guy saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, what are you doing? I think he has a right to be upset, but generally, he's preparing like a guy like, hey, I have a job to do May 5th, and I actually get the sense he's kind of bemused and amused by this whole saga. And he's also, you know, got a great catchphrase from from that session. This is not laboratory. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Great freaking line. Yeah. you know, I, uh, to me, I look at what Triple G is saying. I mean, it's his right. You know, I'm holding up my, I've been holding up my career in some sense to get to this. I, I've been, you know, trying to get to this mega fight. We're finally here. It takes forever to, you know, to get this, you know, negotiations for a rematch done. And you test positive twice for clenbuterol? Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, the guy's a professional, and, and he, he's right to be mad about it. I look at it like when a guy comes in to clinch you and goes too low, do you let him or do you lean on his neck and push him down? And, and yeah, <laughs> and I found it interesting that now Abel Sanchez is saying, hey, the hand wraps in September, they were stacking. And I've talked to a couple guys that wrap hands, and, and there's differing views on it, but there are a couple that said, Steve, we've been told you can't stack anywhere, which is basically putting tape gauze, tape gauze, and, and you know, basically loading the wraps, if you will, or making it into a cast. And I found it interesting that Ronnie Shields flat out said, hey, I, I asked the rules meeting before Arizlande Lara fought Canelo, is that legal? And he was told no, and then it turns out, based on the video I was sent, Canelo did that anyway against Lara. This, to me, is an opportunity, and they're absolutely taking it, whether it's Tom Loeffler, Abel, and even Gennady himself. They're now putting Bob Bennett on the spot, because I think they absolutely feel in their mind, May 5th, we got a job to do, and Gabe, let's be honest, we got money to make. But Bob Bennett, we're, we're putting you on the spot. <laughs> That's you know, I, I I find shame is a is a really great weapon. You know, public shaming. Um, you know, it, put out the videos. I haven't seen the. Uh, I saw somebody sent me raw footage of the HBO Triple G. You know, the hand wraps at Triple G Canelo, but I didn't really see the stacking. I wanted to see it from the beginning. I'd like to see yeah. what, what Loeffler claims to have. And I, I haven't seen the Ronnie Shields video. Uh, I'd like to see that. 
But I, I think it's it. They got to do everything they can because they're the B side. And you know, Adelaide Bird last time, you know, they screwed up allowing her to be there if they they felt she was questionable. Uh, and then it, it turned out to, to screw them uh, in a fight that wasn't a draw that ended up a draw because of her. Um, you got to you got to you got to take your shot now and kind of Pat Riley this thing or Phil Jackson this thing where you you, you put uh, all this doubt in the minds of, of everybody officiating the event. And so they, they move your way. There's just no question. Uh, talking, uh, moving on here, Robert Montano. How high is the ceiling on Alex Cholo Salcedo? Watched his fight. He took on the tough Mexican journeyman, Abner Lopez, and stopped him, I believe, in seven. Great test for him, and he passed. Gabe, he is going to be a really good action fighter. I don't know if he'll ever be elite. He had some real problems with Lopez early on. But when he's the attacking fighter and not the reactive fighter, he's much better. And I think he's a very good fit with Abel Sanchez. He's an aggressive fighter. Conditioning's going to be key. And he's a hardworking, earnest young man. So Cholo Salcedo, my understanding is, he might be put right back on April 14th on that top-ranked show. And one note about that, Gabe, I'm being told Horn Crawford may not actually take place April 14th, that they may back that up for whatever reason. So just keep that in the file. Here's mm. a statement from Julius Julianis. Frank Espinosa said to Valdez to cancel the fight if Quig didn't accept the second-day weigh-in. But Valdez wanted badly the $400,000 check. And Valdez got a minor broken jaw, the extraction of two or three teeth without anesthetics, and the $400,000 check. <laughs> a complete package. <laughs> it's a tough wow. way to make a living, Gabe, <laughs> when you put it that way. <laughs> yeah, we put it like that. That sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's grim. I mean, and, and you know, Quig's 2.8 pounds over is like Canelo's clenbuterol positives. They will sh- they're going to shadow over the, the rest of events. Like Doug you know, Fisher said that that's, you know, no matter how this plays out for Canelo, people are always going to now point to those positives, no matter what he does from now on. Sort of like Pacquiao turning down drug testing initially with, with Mayweather, and everybody points and says, oh, this is when he stopped, or this is when he started, and, you know, uh, all the conspiracy theories come out. And so, you know, Quig uh, is stuck with this one. Uh, whatever happens to Valdez, everybody will point to this moment. And I want to point out, in the California State Athletic Commission rules, you can only lose two pounds after the weigh-in. So that's another thing where you're kind of stuck there. So my question is, could you have made a deal to Quig? Say, okay, Quig, just get to within a pound and a half of 126, and then weigh in tomorrow, not so heavy. You know, again, there's so many gray areas in this, and I believe it is the regulators that have to enforce this because whether we like it or not, Eddie Hunt and Quig were under no obligation to actually do a morning of day in um, weight check. Here's a question from Loic Ransom. All right. Just so we're not only talking about sketchy stakes this week, what are your feelings on this new trend of black ring aprons? Been seeing it more and more courtesy of PBC and the World Boxing Super Series. I find it makes it hard to follow the action. Gabe, I'll be honest. It, as long as the fights are good, I have not once said this year, God, that black canvas is so bothersome. It does look a little weird, but, yeah, I, I'm not – I'm more annoyed when I see a ton of logos, and, and obviously the fighters are slipping on them. Uh, yeah. That, that, drives, that drives me crazier. But, uh, no, I don't really – and actually most of the gyms I've worked at, worked out at have black rings, so it, like, hmm. I guess it just never bothers me. Yeah. 
If you want to call in, 347-215-7598. And if you want to tweet, Steve UCN Live and Gabriel underscore Montoya. At the top of the second hour, Mr. KO Tickets, Jim Boone joins us. But for now, we head to the phone lines. Uh, let's go 530. You're live on the next round. 530. Yeah, good evening, Gabe, Steve. Robbie! Welcome What's up, man? Uh, first of all, my hat's off to you, Steve, and everybody at the StubHub Center <laughs> for sitting in the rain. That was that, – that, uh, that now, were there a lot of empty seats, Steve, because of oh, the weather? Oh, yeah. Listen, even Bob said that it killed the live gate. The, the word is that when you do a big Vegas fight, most of the time the tickets are sold, whether it's the high rollers, the casino comps, or fans coming in. In a local fight, especially on the West Coast where it's really Mexican, Mexican-American, the live gate is literally the last 48 hours is big in terms of the walk-up. And Bob said it killed the walk-up. We understood that. But the show had to go on. And I would say there was probably about 2,000 brave souls that soldiered on. And I want to give them a tip of the hat. You are the hardest of the hardcore uh, we slogged through it, and I gotta tell you, it was fun. It was fun yep. to kind of experience it. I don't want to do it all the time. That's probably why, if you're ever in Seattle, don't do an outdoor venue. But I do this a lot, not only for the money, and I don't want a real job, but I do it for the memories. Saturday right. night was memorable. Yes, it was. Now, uh, getting to that, if Scott Quigg did indeed have a broken foot, um, isn't there a medical check that that takes place? Couldn't they have? Couldn't they have said, uh, "Hey, look, this guy can't fight." Hmm. That's a very good question. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, th- this is a tough state to, to, you know, for for weight classes in general, or for for making weight. Uh, Andy Foster is a great executive director and and is uh, something of a visionary. He's an ex fighter himself. He fought uh, as an MMA fighter, um, and so he understands. I think as a wrestler as well. Uh, he understands, the, you know, weight cutting and came up with a 10 point plan, I think, back like two years now uh, ago. Uh, and so it's here that, you know, uh, I think we're the only guys that have that rule about the two pounds. You can't lose more than two pounds to make weight. Um, so, you know, I, I think every time one of these things happens for me, it's just you got to look at the rules. And even like Canelo's stacking falls into this file of, OK, there's this, you know, ABC rules. And then there's, you know, there's literally more athletic commissions in the, uh, that are members of the ABC, then there are states in the United States. Right. So you've hmm. got to come up with some, some unified rules got, and that actually everybody follows and maybe actually, you know, update the science on all those as Andy Foster is attempting to do in California. Uh, I yeah, think the no, whole system uh, needs I, to be looked at. I agree with that, uh, Gabe, but no, that, that was a great fight, Steve. Uh, I mean, I wish Quig would have made weight because last week I said, he had a real good shot at possibly winning this, but when I heard that he didn't make weight, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, uh, it's going to turn out to be ugly, and it turned out to be much better. I hope Oscar recovers, and you're right. The career is going to be short, but the ride is going to be fun while it lasts, um, and as far as the Showtime experience, um, I frankly don't want to see Bartholomew fight again. I mean, he, he acts like he didn't, he did, he didn't want to be there. Um, he basically gave that title away. Mikey did what he was supposed to do, but uh, congratulations to Lip, Lip and Yetz for for doing a lot better than I thought he would. 
and I, I agree with you. I don't know where Mikey goes from here. I guess my 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 easy guess would be Robert Easter after he deals with Richard Comey, and that's not going to be easy. It looks like he's improved. Um, yep. You know, I mean, and Jose Ramirez this weekend is going to walk out of New York with that title, and it'll be fun to see Ramirez and Progre in Fresno, Steve. I mean, that's good. that would be a hell of a show, don't you think? Yeah, and also Trobo Salcedo, who I love, is an all-action fighter. He is also at 140 and promoted by top rank. So Saturday night will be impactful in that division, absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully uh, Joe Tessitore gets better because he, he had to give up the microphone. He, he couldn't talk anymore. Uh, yeah, but, I uh, saw I, that. I, you know, I, I was one of the few brave, stupid souls on press row, and I saw him kind of get out of his seat, and I thought that was strange as the round was kind of going on, and I said, hey, Joe, how you doing? And he pointed at his throat, and he gave the throat slash gesture as if to say, I'm done. <laughs> so he had to hand off the baton. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I felt bad for him. I'm like, oh, my God, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad they had a backup pan. Hopefully he's better for Saturday night, but uh, no, it was a, it was a good weekend of boxing, and I'm looking forward to the card in New York on Saturday. Have a good one, Steve. Thank you very much, Robbie. And by the way, Gabe, congratulations to Joe Tess, now the lead announcer for Monday Night Football. And I think that's a great association for ESPN and boxing. That, like Cosell, his two main sports will be football and the Sweet Science. It's it's just one of the great people that I've met through this sport. Absolutely. Like, yeah, I only, we've only met in person once. We've had some communications over the years, but uh, I met him out here uh, up in Nor- NorCal and he's just such a good guy. Like just loves the sport, understands its problems, but uh, just really cares about it. And then Steve, you know, listening to Gary Toms and, and uh, Steve Farhood this weekend, uh, Bethel Duran on the call um, and, and, and Joe, you know, while his voice was working, I feel his pain right now. Uh, but uh, it, it's no substitute for good commentary. It's just, it, you know, it, it's... it's mm, it, I feel as though you're getting at something. I, I just, just, you know, we'll, mm. we won't mention his name, but I just, you know, you know it when you hear it, uh, and you, you know why it hurts when you hear it, you know? <laughs> Three, four, seven, two, one, five, seven, five, nine, eight, Gabe, who's next? <laughs> Two eight one, you're live on the next round. Hey guys, this is Nate from Houston. Nate, What's by up, the man? way, I loved I loved your uh, email, and it really was illuminating. And I sent it to Gabe, and I might even publish yeah. it. Nate, I didn't realize that the trace amounts that were attributed to Canelo compared to other trace amounts were a much bigger trace. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> You kind of go. Hmm. I mean, well, you still, you know, it, it, but trace is what they're, you know, it's, it's parts per billion, right? And and it's element. It's a it's a scientific term. And the guy said from the lab that it falls within the parameters of the the, the contamination. But I found your email pretty fascinating too. Yeah, I think you should should publish it. The thing yeah, that most people don't know that you could buy it over the counter. I didn't know, you know that either. Oh, but here's the other thing, guys. Yeah. I keep hearing about how Canelo has now passed subsequent tests. Well, yeah, if you were cycling, and again, I'm just saying if, you probably caught the end of the cycle, and of course the, the amounts that are detected are going to become obsolete. It's like getting a DUI. 
You might get thrown in the can at midnight, but if you tested your blood alcohol level at 9 o'clock as you're released, yeah, you're probably not in the range of a DUI. Well, yeah, and the story is contamination. We still, I need to know where you ate those other times. Did you eat at the same place over a three-day period? Because you tested positive on the 17th and the 20th. Like, how much did you eat? Like, that part of the story needs to fill in for me to even give any craps about the, uh, the, the negative tests. And to me, it's, it's akin to, to the dude with a broken foot not making weight. Like, what does one have to do with the other? Let's, let's find out the details of the positive, which we haven't done. And, well, you know, I mean, even if, if you were – you know, if it was because he was take, taking it right, and if he's at the end of, you know, as it dissipates out of the system, well, at some point in time, it's still going to be a trace. I mean, mm. <laughs> whatever it's from, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a, uh, a metabolite. It's, yeah, it's going to yeah, go through yeah. your system. Yeah, no. Right, and and clenbuterol supposedly goes through pretty fast too. So about a week, you know. yeah. You know, and it's kind of one of those, you know, where there's where there's smoke, there's fire most of the time, and you know, whatever. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just get sick of it. It's kind of like you know, just just be straight about it, right? And and yeah, I mean, you can go down to Mexico, go to the pharmacy, get stuff. I mean, it's a different culture, right? I mean, we get caught up in what our culture is here. You know, well, you go, I, you, I, that I disagree with. It was a part of the email that that I didn't like. Um, because you say like it's a different culture down there. America is is a massive drug culture. They're, so a culture that takes nah, a drug per, for a thing down there. Prescription drugs maybe, but we like have some kind of conniption to, fit when someone's when someone's taken gets caught for we for buy doing the PEDs, more, more right? cocaine than anybody else. I mean. Uh, I think America has proven itself as a drug culture from the caffeine it's addicted to, to the tobacco. Uh, I mean, you could just go down the line. I mean, we, we yeah, practically I, prevented I was, obesity. You know? I, was re- I was really only referring to PEDs, right? So then, the, with, but again, I wouldn't agree with you there, that it's a different culture. I think we cheat. You know, this whole Icarus movie where we're pointing at the Russians, they may do it in a much more, you know, organized, maybe thuggish way, but we do that shit too. Everybody's oh, cheating. I know, I know, I know. We do, but it's not it's not legal to go buy it down at the at the, the store, right? Right. I mean, but Meldonin, you know, another drug that everybody in the world popped for after it got banned, uh, you know, it was all over the world. I, I think this is a similar thing. And, and look at you tested positive in Russia for clenbuterol, Spain, uh, now Mexico. Uh, it's all over the world. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not it's not limited anywhere, right? And PEDs are all over the place, right? It's, I mean, yeah. That is the way it is. I'm just saying that, that from a culturally, we, we different cultures look at it differently. It's not that it's not there, right? It's not that mm-hmm. people don't use it. You know, you talk about Russia, the East Germans, you know, wherever um, here. I mean, it, it it's out there. But anyways, you know, hey, we'll we'll see. I'm sure that the fight will still go forward and. And, that's and they went through the hair test. test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, really, what 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 I wanted to call about was to to eat some crow about lipping yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm the one that called that a joke of a fight, and uh, it, it hardly was that. That was that was impressive, and I I don't know, was that really lipping yet's brother that was fighting Condo? I mean, that was like two totally different guys. It really is, and that's why, and again, I think we all fell to being prisoner of the moment. I was very high on Lippinets coming into that fight after what he had done to Lenny Z and Clarence Booth. Really early on in his career, 
And then with one kind of mediocre performance, even I kind of said, ah, maybe he's not that guy. Well, uh, after Saturday night, I'm kind of back on the bandwagon. Yeah, I just yeah. wonder, you know, what what, he, what he's going to be like when he comes back. He took a pretty bad beating, you know. Um, but, you know, he gave as good as he got in, in some sense. It didn't quite show on his face. He bloodied his nose uh, fairly early on. Uh, you know, landed some good shots. I hope he can come back. I just, what's Mikey going to do with that belt? And that's I kind of wonder, like, what was the point of that move? Yeah, I, just to have it, I think. You know, I, yeah. I, I that really, really, I think is his his limit. I didn't think he looked very good. I mean, I was, I wasn't. I, that's the most he's ever gotten touched in a fight. I, you yeah, know, it was alarming to me. I mean, Lipinets isn't exactly Mister Speedy. Right, so that that he was right. catching Mikey that much and that easy was pretty shocking. I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" You know, so I, you know, I just found that per, I just found that really interesting. Uh, you know, so I would say, yeah, Mikey needs to head back down to 135. But I, I'd say I think Linares gives him a whole bunch of problems with his speed. Hmm. But you know what? Though, remember this. Mikey can kick much stronger at 135. His punching power is much more pronounced as a lightweight. Yeah. Oh, I, no, no doubt. If he lands on, if he lands on him clean, that's game over. But you know, I think that movement will give him problems. But I mean, I'd love to see the fight for sure. All right. Listen, uh, Nate. As always, we appreciate your time. Thanks, Most certainly, guys. Thanks a lot. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. It's the next round on the Leave It in the Ring Radio Network with Gabe Montoya and Steve Kim. Gabe. Uh eight one seven. You're live on the next round. It's a new prefix. Eight one seven. Hello, it's Fort Worth, Texas. Hello. Welcome aboard. All right, uh my name is Gene, but I was just calling how realistic and I think you tweeted it or I've heard the tweet of Charles Martin is warming up in the bullpen. Is it realistic to have a, a like a, an hour notice fighter? And is there really a fighter backstage warming up or what? Well, I know that Charles Martin was absolutely given notice, like, get down here. Because Louis Ortiz's blood pressure, guess what, guys? He wasn't lying about his blood pressure. It turned out he really did need that medication. At age 38, Gabe. And, and yeah, yes. they had someone in the bullpen warming up now. Would the fans have been happy? Would I have been pissed off if I bought one of those tickets or gotten one of those? Yes, but it absolutely was in the works. Fortunately, it didn't happen. All right. Well, that's just it, but thanks, guys. Love the show. Thank you. Thanks. You know, if they had brought in Charles Martin, I think the only way to soften the blow is if his ring entrance was like in the fan man machine, you know, and just bring him in real slow. Because uh, that, that would have caused an, yet another riot. Uh, 510, you're live on the next round. <clears throat> hey, Gabe, hey, Steve, I know Rich, how you guys doing? Hey, what's going on? What's doing all right? Good, man. I really enjoyed uh, the ESPN class. It seemed like they're getting better and better. The presentation's getting better and better. And it's really accessible, so I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm looking forward to the fight this weekend. I think Amir Ma is a real live dog, man. I've kind of been a fan of his uh, ever since I've seen him on Showtime a few years ago, man. He's just a real slick boxer, and uh, I think it's going to be a good fight this weekend. Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess I guess you guys opinion already on that, too. But Oh, one last thing, too. Um, I'm curious. Like, Mike Garcia, man, like, I wanted to be a fan of his, but I don't know, man. It just seems like he's just, you know, all show and no go. 
If he retired, wait a minute. Hold on, Fernando. He didn't look his best, but you you were not entertained by that fight. I, I I liked what I saw. I was like, wow, this is good, solid, professional, world class fighting. You didn't like that fight. Flaws, whatever. No, 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 no. The fight, the fight was fair. Well, I'm talking about overall how he's done his career. You know, like if he okay. retired today, would he be a Hall of Famer even with four division titles? You know, oh. like, have you really challenged himself? Oh, would he get your vote? Because I, I think he's much better than Adrian Broner, who's a four-time champion that I wouldn't give my vote to if I had one. Yeah, n- neither of them would get my vote. Uh, you know, I, neither? I, 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 I felt huh. the same way watching the fight. It was a good fight, but the whole time I was like, why why, why, why get in an action fight out of this weight <clears throat> class against this guy? You know, I, th- I thought Lipinets was good, and I, I was high on him too. I, I thought he was better than his last fight, and he showed that. But I'm like, if you're not going to defend this belt – and kind of plant your flag at 140, and looking at the fight, I don't think he should. Uh, it's like you're just needlessly getting beat up. It just seems strange to me. Uh, and so, I, it, it's, I don't know, the lack of storyline, I guess, is why I didn't care that much. But, yeah, the aimless nature of his career has kind of made me not care. Yeah, that's my but. biggest disappointment, too. That's why I'm so disappointed. I'm like, that guy has a world talent. He just doesn't seem to have the ambition other than for a paycheck, which is fine, you know. God bless him, but... I don't need to, you know, be a fan either. So, anyways, thank you for enjoy- uh, thank you for taking my phone call. I appreciate it, Fernando. Thank you very much. And I'll I'll admit it, it was not the best Mikey Garcia, but I thought it was the best fight he's ever been involved in. Uh, but yeah, yeah, has he jumped around in weight on a pogo stick, maybe to the detriment of his short term marketing or branding? Um, I, I wouldn't disagree with that either. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, and I'm not, you know, I'm trying not to be a fanager, but uh, I, I, yeah, it's just kind of strange. I mean, I, I like guys like Errol Spence who, they, you know, they talk about the other people in the division and say they want to fight them, you know, and kind of point, uh, you know, planting their flag. Uh, you know, we'll see with Mikey. Uh, I just, I think 135 is where he should go. 707, you're live on the next round. Oh, I guess you're not. They just dropped. Uh, 714, you're live on the next round. Seven one four. Hello. Hello. I or not. We're a little light. Or not. Yeah. We're waiting for Booney to call here in about ten minutes. Two zero nine. You're live on the next round. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. What's going on? Talk to us. Hey, uh, uh, <clears throat> I didn't get to watch the uh, uh, Mikey Garcia fight. I'll be honest, I kind of forgot about it. Um, Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You must obviously be more than just a casual fan to call us. Now, Mikey Garcia, say what you want. He's kind of an elite fighter. How can you forget about it? I was so zeroed in on the the ESPN show. I mean, it it slipped my mind. I don't know. I'll call it old age or whatever. But I I was just zeroed in on the part. Um... Andy Vance and uh, uh, Didion, that you know, it was a draw. It was a draw. I would have liked to see Andy Vance won, uh, but you know what? I'm still a fan of uh, of both of those fighters. I mean, that's one thing about these fights. Uh, it gives me an appreciation. Of, even though I'm a fan of one guy, it gives me the opportunity to be a fan of the other guy at the same time. And, and I can't wait till they fight again. Uh, honestly, In three there, years. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. In three years from now, let's not do it immediately, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Oscar Valdez, man, I got a lot of heart, man. It's wow. 
I mean, that's all I can say, man. The guy was spitting out blood left and right. I mean, he was spitting out a lot of blood. Um, man. And his teeth are missing, man, that's that's crazy. But, you know, that's the lifestyle they live. Um, Mikey Garcia, so is he going to go around and collect bouts within the uh, Heyman realm? Or, or or do you guys see him branching out, signing contracts with uh, Golden Boy and Top Rank? No, 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 think- no. Haven't you heard? He cherishes his free agency. So he's just going to stay with Al Heyman pretty much? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the short answer. Yeah. Okay, guys. Thank you very much, man. Uh, I enjoy your show. Thank Thanks. you very much. Gabe, do we have any more calls? Because we can go to the fight review and fight preview while we yeah. wait for Mr. Boone. I'll check with this unlisted number, and then uh, unlisted number, you're live on the next round. Listen to that work, gentlemen. Oh, oh work, get back to work. Don't get fired on our behalf. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, no, let's hit the fight preview. Yeah, the fight review. Friday night was a busy night mm-hmm. on Bash Boulevard. I was there live ringside from the OC Hangar in Costa Mesa, California. Crazy A, Azad Hobanessian rolls on Ronnie Ruiz, scoring a six-round stoppage in a super bantamweight bout. Gabe, my understanding is Hobanessian may have earned a shot at Ray Vargas. I like that fight. I think Hobanessian is a real fighter. Well, man, and and when he's got you hurt, he he knows how to oh. keep the punches short. But like he just hits like uh, hyperdrive and just lets his hands go. It was, you know, he, he just didn't let Rios. Once he hurt him, uh, he, he he didn't let him off the hook. I guess you know his hand was hurting a bit, so he he wanted to get him out of there early. Because uh, he, I mean, he he emptied his his, his gun uh, at the end of round three after he hurt Rios, and then was able to somehow keep it going. I, I was just very impressed with him. Guys come a long way. Uh, I didn't, I, you know, at first glance wasn't uh, all that excited about him. But now, I mean, versus Ray Vargas, that's a live fight. Uh, that guy's a player. I remember seeing him about three years ago when he used to go to wild card much more often. Boy, he would get in some of the biggest gym wars. And then Golden Boy took a shot at him beginning of 2017. And I remember telling Robert Diaz, this guy has a shot. He's a pretty good fighter. And let me tell you something. I don't know how much of a shot he really has against that tall, lanky Vargas. He's going to give him hell, though. That, that is going to be a real tough test for the defending WBC 122-pound champion. Gabe, is Regis Progrer right now the best uncrowned champion in boxing? Yeah, he, he's spooky, man. Uh, this looks like the whole package, and, and just has that uh, – he wants to get there and, in there and mix it up uh, – but at the same time, he's he's precise. I thought he took his time in that first round and really got a, a sense of the range of things, uh, you know, where he could attack. And then once he sees it, he just shoots right through the hole, and it's super explosive. Um, we don't I, don't, I don't know how high his ceiling is. We we need to see him challenged and, and pushed in a fight. But man, uh, to me, he, he just needs to fight more often. At his age, it, it's the time is now. That's what I, I hope doesn't happen as he dies on the vine. But uh, what a performance. I, I was surprised he got him out of there so fast. Yeah, and there, there is a buzz over Progre, at least with the hardcore fans. And Julius Ndongo, listen, he caught lightning in a bottle by, by being at the right place at the right time. But he might be the worst unified champion 
maybe the last 30, 40 years of boxing. I mean, I don't, it, it is what it is. He got outclassed by Crawford, then he got blown away by Pro Grant. I think he's hit the canvas like five times or six <laughs> times in those two fights. So, hey, once I, again, belts matter. He was able to cash in on it. Well, we'll see. You know, he lost to Terrence Crawford and then immediately lost to Regis Progre. He got blown out by him and did himself no favors by not having any fights in between and, and, and getting you know, confidence under himself before going on the road like that. But when those careers are over, we'll, we'll see, you know, kind of where he was. You know, maybe he was just beaten by greatness. And in Europe, I don't know if you saw this, Gabe, but a 154-pound fight, Brian Castaño just absolutely swarmed and bludgeoned Cedric V2. Now, I, I, Castaño, to me, is another great gym fighter. I saw him at Legends last couple of weeks. He is in line to face the winner of Hurd Lara. Gabe, if Jared Hurd should beat Lara, and I think he's going to overwhelm him late, I'll go on the record right now with the thundering Hurd. Hurd, Castaño, that is a must-see TV from a style perspective. Now, I haven't, I haven't seen the fight. I, that's, uh, that is in the queue. I, I can't wait. That's uh, Hurd Castano. I mean, do you expect Hurd to win that fight? Yes. Yes. Break out the pen and put it on the record. I, log it, Gabe. You were not a, a believer in Cuban school. Yeah, well, I, no. I, it, I, it, again, I have the number one, Hurd is big, gutsy yes. guy, age, Gabe, and we were there. People kept mm-hmm. saying, oh, my God, how is Hurd going to catch up to Lara? Gabe, we were there when a guy by the name of Pedro Angulo, who's not exactly yeah. Usain Bolt, was walking <laughs> him down. We've seen this before. No one ever accused him of being fast, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm right there with you. You know, it's a little early for my, for my predictions, but, but yeah, I think Hurd, uh, he's got to be the favorite in that fight, despite not being the, you know, the, 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 the more boxing, uh, you know, the pure boxer. Uh, it's going to be a, a mountain that's going to roll down on uh, Lara and get him in the corners, get him in the ropes, and, and take him out of there. Moving on to the fight preview Friday night. It's the 2018 debut of Golden Boy Promotions, L.A. Fight Club from the Belasco Theater. Sinefia Estrada is the main event, but also on this card is Edgar Valerio, bright young prospect, Jose Gonzalez, mm. who was recently signed by GBP. And this is what I find most interesting. Antonio Orozco, this is a guy that was a co-feature on, uh, on HBO in September against Roberto Ortiz, couldn't make the weight, so look what he lost. Six-figure payday, a title shot at 140 where it's wide open post-Terrence Crawford, and Gabe, he's returning to the Belasco Theater. It's not even the main event, how the mighty have fallen. There are consequences to this stuff, Gabe. Yeah. You know, if you it's these kind of like individual careers. You know, this like the boxer, the actor. People don't. If you don't care about your career, no one else will either. And he's he's kind of shown himself disrespect by the way he's acted. Uh, we'll see if he can. You know, this will light a fire under him. Some people, you know, maybe it's just finding a way to get out of the sport. Maybe he doesn't really want to do it. Uh, well, we'll find out. Three four seven two one five. Seven five nine eight. If you want to call in, go ahead. And of course, if you want to tweet in, you could do so at Steve UCN Live and at Gabriel underscore Montoya. Still a lot of things to talk about. Uh, let's see if Mr. Jim Boone is on the line, waiting on the queue, talking about this past weekend, and we also look ahead in the sport of boxing. Jim, are you there? Hello, Jim. Hello. What's what's going on? Welcome aboard. 
thank you much. Thank you much. So, Jim, have you recovered from that weekend, a.k.a. Waterworld of Carson? Well, I thought it was a lot of fun, and to be honest with you, since it was pretty apparent that it was going to be raining with a you know forecast of 100% chance of rain, I actually dressed warm this time. I've been to StubHub other times where by the time the main event comes around, you're absolutely freezing. So, you know, that was actually, it was it was a lot of fun. It wasn't a big deal at all. And it, was, it wasn't raining that hard. I mean, it just poured the whole time, so it wasn't a big deal. Now, Jim, let, let's say that Oscar Valdez is not adversely affected. Um, let's say it's best-case scenario with this jaw injury, and he's able to fight on for the next few years at this level. What do you think he did for his branding and his market value based on that performance this past weekend? He is absolutely must-see TV. I've been you know, lucky enough to see, I believe, nine of his last ten uh, live fights. I know he fought one time in uh, Arizona where I wasn't there. Um, I was at his last fight in Arizona. The kid is so exciting to watch, and you know, he's really, really becoming a very good ticket seller for top rank. The fact of the matter is, which you alluded to earlier, you know, with his fan base, there's going to be a huge walk-up the weekend of. And I think if we would have gotten the weather we had Friday on Saturday, you know, I think that would have, you know, really, really did good at the gate. And I think they uh, would have been real happy with it. And the fact of the matter was, it was pouring out, but there was still a lot of people in there. I mean, there was certainly a lot of no-shows, especially with people that, you know, spent 25 bucks on a ticket. So they decided to stay home. But it, w- it was a good performance, and the kid is just absolute must-see. Now, final question for me before I kick it over to Gabe. Jim, you saw something from Scott Quigg on Friday that, that it's not kosher with you, right, the whole weight issue? Well, I mean, listen, there's always going to be an excuse when a guy messes up, whatever it is. And in this case, it was missing the weight. And, you know, Freddie Roach and Eddie Hearn and Scott Quigg can say that he did everything he could do to make weight. But I was at the hotel. I went down for breakfast uh, Friday morning. I saw him in the lobby, which is totally normal, hanging out, talking to people. Didn't look like he was too concerned about being two, you know, 2.8 pounds over. Later on in the morning, I ran downstairs to meet a client quickly, and he was in the lobby again. Now, I wasn't in the lobby all morning since I was obviously behind the eight ball with the rain selling tickets for the fight, but I never saw Oscar Valdez. What was he doing? So when he casually steps on the scale like he did, and I'm assuming that uh, Matchroom had, had told Top Rank because um, Carl Moretti didn't even look up. He wasn't even, like, shocked to hear it. I mean, uh, you know, 128.8, I couldn't even believe it. In fact, the reporter behind me asked for the weight again because it was just like, how much was he? So, you know, he has a bad foot. Well, he didn't have any time, any trouble planning off that foot and driving Valdez back for 12 rounds. So I think the sport definitely needs to get rid of the gray area as far as the procedure. If you're going to fight for a major title and you miss weight, and that happens, and you certainly don't want to shit-can a fight because then nobody gets paid and it messes up the entire card, you have to have a simple procedure the following Saturday, and the gentleman that misses weight, you know, they got they got to do a Saturday morning weigh-in at a predetermined weight. There should be absolutely no negotiation about what they're going to do. And the fact that Valdez made weight and how hard it was for him, we don't know, but I'm sure it wasn't easy. And he suddenly has not only a competitive disadvantage, but like any lack of negotiating power where they just have this, you know, attitude, well, we're just not going to fight then. I mean, that's, not, that's unprofessional in my opinion. And, I mean, what happens if you can't fight for the rest of the year? This is a bad look for the sport. Gabe? I, I just – but then we have to get into what does Valdez have to weigh the next day? 
Like, well, I uh, think Gabe, if, I mean, if you make weight, then 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 you you don't have to worry about that. If you do your job per the contract and you weigh in, and obviously it's a world title fight, so you know Eddie Hearn can't tell uh, top rank, oh by the way we're going to be short, so you know Valdez can come in heavy too because obviously he'll lose the title on the scale. If you make the weight, there is no Saturday morning weigh-in. If you miss the weight, it should be predetermined, a natural weight, not to kill the guy, but a, a fair yeah. weight where it, it, they shouldn't have to spend Saturday morning and Friday night negotiating a deal that should have been laid out in the original contract. And I think sure. it's a distraction. I think as far as you know, top-ranked the promoter, what would have happened if they walked away from it? They're already dealing with a tough night with the rain, which is out of their control. And now you have a ticket that specifically says Oscar Valdez versus Scott Quigg. He pulls out of it. Next thing you know, why does top rank have to start dealing with giving refunds and everything else along with it? So I think a lot of the issues can be solved up front with a good contract. It's fair for both fighters and take the guesswork out of it. Because the fact of the matter is, unfortunately, we see it all too often that guys can't make weight. And it might have been for a legitimate reason, but that has nothing to do with it. If you don't make weight, establish a Saturday morning weigh-in. I think this is a much better system for the sport moving on. I think the foot injury Agreed. is like a, a red herring uh, because the guy had plenty of stamina all throughout the fight. He fought a and he was round. And he was driving him. He was, uh, listen, Oscar Valdez doesn't normally fight moving backwards. That's not, right. that's not his style. He's a, he's a move-forward type of fighter, and he was pushed back like I've never seen it before the entire fight. Even when he'd rally and hurt Quig, Quig would still be coming forward, so he had no problem pushing off that foot. I mean, I mean, he has an injury, but it's not apparent. And they had to come up with one, some excuse, and, and that was just the one they chose. So. Yeah, yeah, it was a bad excuse because it, it didn't really, you know. I, I still, I think we could probably, you know, spend a long time talking about all the weight stuff. I, I personally just think they need to look at the whole system and and be weighing guys in between, so that we we, we keep guys near where they should be because you know you shouldn't be gaining 13 pounds or 14 pounds or you know Gotti gained eight pounds, you know. Uh, but also, yep. we we shouldn't be starving down to where a guy's body just shuts down and there's nothing more to give, because that means he's at a dangerous place. People, you know, an MMA fighter I think died a year or two ago on the scale. His body just seized, you know, down oh, in Brazil. Oh, it's hard. I, I wrestled my whole life, so, and I know I know the pain of cutting weight. It, it was a brutal. Yeah. I mean, I think my my you know I think I should I like stunted my growth from doing it too much, because everybody mm. else in my family I'm like the smallest. I mean, I'm six foot one, almost two hundred pounds, but I'm like the smallest guy in my family. So it, it it does have long-lasting effects, without a doubt. Huh. Uh, well, let's jump back into to, some ticket action, you know. I, but, uh, yeah, I think it – just to wrap up, uh, the, all roads – you know, there's a lot of roads that lead away from the weight cut. Guys messing up their endocrine system and then having to get on drugs or just the gateway of taking diuretics and then, oh, well, then I can use drugs, you know, other drugs for other things, so kinds of stuff. And just a, one last thing, I, I like that that, that – you know, preemptive clause in the contract. I think Triple G should have put this in the contract the way Butte did with Pascal, that they stayed in a drug testing program until after the rematch. Oh, that hmm. absolutely. I mean, that, that's another. You know, we've had in, in less than two weeks, we've had three what I consider black eyes for the sport as far as the, the fighter safety with the uh, Canelo testing positive, not once, but twice. And then the issue of the hand wraps, and now with, with the weight issue, where a guy was left the left the stub up center in an ambulance, and that that would have been very very smart to keep uh, keep him in the system, because yeah. you know the possibility of tainted meat is, is a reality. I'll acknowledge that, but the fact that Canelo tested positive the first two times they they, they tested him, 
makes that a much more shaky excuse. And ultimately mm-hmm. is an excuse because they're acknowledging that he tested positive. I mean, and once again, how come there's no set rea- – there's no set, you know, no set penalty. Listen, it's a big money fight with Triple G. I want the fight to go on. But no fighter should be bigger than the sport. And Canelo shouldn't be an exception to the rule because he's a pay-per-view fighter. That gives boxing a very, very bad look for people. And it, it, it's unfortunate. And I'm a big Canelo fan. But it's he's tested positive now twice, and – they're going to investigate, yet they haven't taken a hair uh, sample. I mean, it, the, the whole commission, it's, it's a farce. Yeah, if they don't do the hair test, then they didn't do an investigation, as far as I'm concerned. Exactly, and I don't believe they want to do a hair test, because it might, it might open up a, a Pandora's box of, uh, of some issues we don't want to, you know, hopefully, hopefully that are not there. Well, and it's a precedent. If Canelo lets them test his hair, there's nobody else that will ever be able to say no to that test. Yeah, Ooh. that's, that's that's an excellent. We had dinner on uh, I believe <laughs> you know? it was Thursday night or Wednesday night with, with with Victor, and just you know the man is so brilliant when it comes to all the different medical stuff. And like he said, there's there's no way of hiding it. The hair will tell us everything you need. It's it's everything is right there. And you're talking a hundred plus million dollar fight, and the cost of a hair sample it, to do the test is less than a thousand dollars. Yet there's no budget for it. I mean, it, it it's it's beyond belief. Have you devalued the fight? Sorry. Yeah, ahead, I believe it. I believe it has. I, I, I believe huh. it has. As far as people booking travel, listen, you can always cancel a hotel room. Canceling an international flight is not as easy. And people that are on the fence as far as going, when you hear this, and the commission says they're going to do a, quote, investigation, I believe it has certainly hurt not only the brand, but it's going to make people wait because they don't want to book a flight and then come out to Vegas without, without having a fight to go to. Jim, moving ahead to this weekend at the Garden, it's become the Michael Conlon weekend for top rank. How is that show selling at the theater? It's doing good. It's not a sellout, and I don't think it's going to quite get to a sellout, but it's definitely, definitely going to be a packed house. I was told that Conlon has sold nearly 2,000 seats himself, and uh, for anybody who's lucky enough to be there last year, uh, on the Friday before the uh, Triple G uh, Danny Jacobs fight, it was not only a good night of boxing, it was absolutely just such a fun party. The Irish fans were there singing, they're just having a blast, everybody's smiling, drinking beer, drinking whiskey. It was it was a really great experience. I'll be out in New York, so anybody that wants to go, definitely hit me up. We got great deals. And it, it's just, I mean, it, it, it is must-see TV in there. The, the, just the, the environment alone in the theater is going to be absolutely, it, it's going to be electric. And, Jim, looking back, Last week, both shows in New York at the Barclay Center and the theater, you believe based on the realistic expectations that both of them did pretty well at the box office? Yeah, I think they both did real good. Um, you know, certainly the Barclay show had a lot of legs late. I hadn't had, a, you know, many calls on it. And then uh, the week up, I started getting the phone started ringing for it, people looking for good seats. And, um, you know, once again, like we said, opponents matter. And Ortiz was a very good opponent. And uh, the show at uh, at the theater with uh, the Duva show, uh, Kathy Duva, the main event show, you know, that did much better than the last time. They'd set the bar pretty low with the Kovala fight uh, at the end of 2017. But they, they, they did good. They got people in there, and um, I think they got a good system as far as, you know, finishing Kovala's career fighting consistently at the Garden. I think it's a much better fit for him, get some consistency there, having him fight there. And I think his shows will continue to grow, especially with uh, strong undercards and co-main events. Mm, Gabe? 
projecting ahead, you know, uh, what do you think, uh, you know, if Wilder, you know, if, if Joshua gets past Parker and Wilder Joshua comes off, uh, where do you think it should be? Well, I would say just for my own sake, I'd say Las Vegas. Um, and I think the Brits would like that. I mean, we haven't had a big British fight in Vegas in a long time. And for anybody, I was out here for, you know, obviously the Ricky Hatton fights. Um, I think it would be, I think, I think the fight deserves to be in Vegas. Um, it's just a perfect environment for it. The Brits are going to come over. They'll probably bring, you know, 20, 30,000 Brits this time. You know, the smartest thing they did with the first, the big Hatton fight was they sold uh, closed circuits during the on sale. I know casinos and promoters are against that. But with the cost of the ticket being so much greater than a $40 or $50 uh, closed circuit seat, that's why the fight was so big, because the day of the on sale, there was no tickets available, naturally. And the Brits bought up about 40,000 closed circuits, figuring, listen, if I can't get into the, into the MGM, at least I can be on property and watch it. And if you remember, they actually drank MGM dry. So that's how good of a night it was. And I think with uh, Joshua Wilder over at T-Mobile, which is not my favorite place, but the natural fit for the fight, I think it's going to be, it'll be big business and it'll be, a, it'll be an unreal, unreal atmosphere. Jim, I know people have brought this up. When the new Oakland, excuse me, Las Vegas Raider Stadium is built, is that going to be a realistic destination for super fights in Las Vegas? Definitely, 100%. I mean, I think that's what the city has always, you know, missed out on, all these giant events that we can't have here because we don't have a proper facility. Now we have not only a state-of-the-art facility, it's within walking distance of the Las Vegas Strip. You know, the one thing about Vegas that's very easy is the airport is right by the Strip. You don't need to rent a car. All the stuff you don't have to do, you'd have to do, say, in the Dallas, for example. So now you can do the fight in Las Vegas, and, you know, you can do a 40,000, 50,000-gate fight. And I believe Joshua, I mean, he's so early in his career, will definitely have that opportunity. And, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully there's some other guys that are, you know, ultimately big enough ticket sellers to do, to do that. You could do the rematch uh, there if the first fight's good good enough. Very, very possibly. possibly. Yeah. Hmm. That's what I, well, go ahead, Steve. Jim, couple of things looking ahead. I'm hearing Terrence Crawford against Horn is going to be moved back from April 14th, but they're still going to do that show at the Mandalay Bay. Uh, do you scale everything down now in the venue for that particular show? Well, I mean, let's just see what the date's going to be. I love the fight. You know, they initially talked about mixing, you know, Crawford and Pacquiao, and I never really understood that just because top rank such, you know, they've done such an unbelievable job selling this guy into such a ticket seller. And if you put Pacquiao on the card with what he costs, I mean, all his fan, all the Crawford fans are going to be priced out. So it's getting real close. I mean, we're four weeks out. Hopefully they push it back, and hopefully it's this spring, and hopefully it's uh, at Mandalay Bay like they rumored the first one was going to be because it's, it's a great venue, and – you know, for Crawford, with how he sells tickets, it's the perfect size. They'll pack the house, and it'll be, uh, it'll be, you know, be a great atmosphere. Now, if May 12th, if we end up getting Vasil Lomachenko, Jorge Linares at the Garden, is that a winner? Is that something you say, oh, okay, I'm going deep into this one? Definitely, definitely. I love that fight. I mean, I hope that they scale it for the lower level only to start with and then oh. open up the upper level seats. Because the Garden has so many lower-level seats, you're still talking, you know, close to 10,000. Sell that and then open up the upper-level seats. That way you reward the people, like they do mm. with Superfly, you reward the people that bought early. 
if you wait to buy late, then you have to sit upstairs and potentially pay more money. Reward the guy that decides to buy the seats, makes the commitment, and I think that is the best way of doing it. But I love that fight, uh, ticket-wise, and just just to see. Uh, uh, that's very exciting. And, Jim, final question from me. How successful, in your view, was Superfly 2 a couple of weeks ago? I, I absolutely exceeded all expectations. You know, the small guys had kind of been driven by the Chocolatito wagon, and he was not on the card. And for more tickets to be sold for Superfly 2 as opposed to Superfly 1 was unreal. I mean, I, I worked a show, and there you go. There's your example. You scale it appropriately. You price the tickets right. You don't hold back all the seats. You let the public get the good ones. And then you sell, you sell, you sell. And the week of when you have to open up upper-level seats because you don't have enough seats in the lower level, that, that, that's, that's how you do a proper promotion. And, I mean, that was such a great show. It was a great card, a great fight. The, the, I mean, all the fights were good, but that, that final fight was unreal. And the 12th round was, I mean, the energy inside the forum was, was something else. Actually, I lied. One more question. Jim, I know you're going to be helping out on the 360 Promotions Club Series, the Hollywood Fight Night, March 27th at the Avalon in Hollywood. Uh, what's the bu early buzz on that? It's been real good. Um, definitely people give me a call direct as far as that. It's been priced uh, It's $60. Now, keep in mind, it's a very, very, very small venue at the Avalon. It's going to have a whole less than 600 people. So it's going to be a packed house, and a good number of the seats have been sold through, obviously, all of uh, Tom Lawford's clients that he's already has established, but also with the consignment program with the fighters. The balcony level, which is upstairs, now you can sit down if you want, but it is general mission. Those are $60. If you want to be down on the floor, the ringsides are 100 bucks, and uh, the VIP ringsides in the first two rows are 125 If you're looking to go, call me. There's no markup. I'm working with the promoter. It's going to be a real card. I mean, he's got uh, uh, Brian Sabalo, the kid from New York, is going to be on it. He's a five-time uh, five Golden Glove champion, making his debut. I believe he was – he's like 200 – I had it written down. Where is it? He's 206 and 13 as an amateur. Ryan Martin looks like he is going to headline the card now. If there's talk, he was going to be on uh, the Triple G uh, rematch with Canelo uh, pay-per-view, but it looks like he will be on the card for sure now. He'll headline it. I know Abel Sanchez. We've got a Ukrainian kid. Uh, his name escapes me. Uh, this Sergey Bohochek. Thank exactly, Sergey. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I, I know he's uh, six and zero oh with uh, six knockouts. A very exciting young fighter. So the whole style of the show is a club show. You know, doors are going to open at five o'clock. It's going to have a you know a happy hour with the Takate girls. It's going to be a lot of fun. Six thirty, six forty-five. We're going to get the bout started, and it's it's really going to be a party. So definitely, fight fans in L.A. Hit me up for tickets. There's no markup. You pay face value. There's no fees. And it's going to be a packed house, like I mentioned, between the, the, the clients that are already built in and the consignment program, pretty much all the, all the uppers are almost gone. We're down to like a dozen left of those. And then the ringsides, are, they're getting picked apart pretty quick. So it's going to be a great show, a packed house. And I'm kind of just like the, the concept of, you know, putting it like the Belasco in like a, you know, historical theater. It's going to make for a great night without a doubt. And, Jim, if someone wanted to reach you, what are the details? Uh, you can always call me. Uh, my cell phone is 702-591-1638. Call, text. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, at KO Tickets. The website is kotickets.com. And, um, like I said, feel free to call me anytime. I love talking to boxing fans. And I'm um, really excited about the, you know, the card this weekend. And then, obviously, 
the the, the first card that uh, 360 Promotions is doing at the Avalon Theater. Okay, Gabe, anything uh, from you before you wrap it up? Uh, yeah, I just had one. Uh, back-to-back cards uh, at the Barclays Center, April 21st. You got Broner mm. uh, Vargas, uh, Charlo, you know Jamal Charlo versus Hugo Centeno Jr. and Gravante Davis versus Jesus Cuellar. But then, you know, another uh, you know guy that's with Al Heyman, but under a different promotional banner, Danny Jacobs fights the next weekend at the Barclays. Uh, you know, the the last show was I talked about was a Showtime card. This one is an HBO card. Uh, did Eddie Hearn make another mistake here, uh, emotionally? Who who screwed from, up? Because I don't think one helps helps the other. Do you? From no, <laughs> and it certainly is never good being second. That I mean, I believe, and I don't know this, but I believe the Barclays is paying um, Matchroom USA a guarantee, and that's why they're doing it on that date. So a lot of the ticket sales and that revenue is going to be, you know, they're they're getting a guarantee from the building, so they're they're covered. That being gotcha. said, I just don't, I don't. Listen, Big Baby Miller is a very exciting young fighter to watch. I mean, his last performance wasn't maybe spectacular, but the guy he was fighting was like six foot nine, so it was a kind of a difficult matchup. It, you know, Danny Jacobs is a big time name, a big time fighter. I just don't like the idea of necessarily putting them in front of an empty house. And when you go right after, you know, a fight the week before, at some point you're stretching the guy's budget. I mean, it, it's kind of tough. And if he had a week in between, that's one thing. But, I mean, you're going back-to-back, so it's going to be difficult for both shows. I've looked at the pricing for the Broner fight. I mean, they won 650 bucks for ringsides. I mean, I thought, that was, I thought that was a little bit aggressive. Yeah, like back a little? doors and stuff. A <laughs> I was like, wow. A little? <laughs> I was shocked to see that. I thought, I thought hello, that was a, a little aggressive. That's yeah. uh, 650 bucks. <laughs> yeah, I was I – I, I was, that was that was eye opening. I know the, the 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 floors and right now for the Jacobs fight there is great ringside sitting in there. You got to give um, her and credit for at least selling the tickets. I mean, there's third rows that are sitting in there right now, and I believe those are three hundred dollars. So if you want to go to the Jacobs, you can get you can get a prime time seat. I mean, at least it's available. I mean, it, it, it it's a t- it's the Barclays has their way of doing business. I don't quite understand it. I mean, you can't argue with the results. They certainly had a monster crowd in there. Um, for the Ortiz Wilder fight, you got to give him credit for that. It's just the dates and everything else. It just sometimes it's a little bit of saturation. It would be, you know, obviously. Yeah, and by the way, Jim, before we let you go about Tom's 360 show, you had me at happy hour. Yeah, at five o'clock <laughs> with the cocktail. Does this guy know how to party or what? No, I'm, I'm it is, and another thing which I, I should have mentioned. If you call and you buy seats for me, which is you're buying them direct, there's no markup, we're going to do a program. We're going to contact the people that buy the first show, and you're basically going to have first right of refusal on your seats for the second, third, fourth shows. So if you go there, you have a great time, you say, I want to do it again, and you love your seats, you're going to have the opportunity to get that exact same seat for the next show. Or if you tell me, listen, our group's a little bigger, can you move us over, we want to be more center, or what have we really want to make this to build this into like a season ticket type experience for the, for the fans. You know, it's not going to be a show every month. It's going to be a couple of shows a year, but he's going to knock it out of the park as far as the fighters on the card. It's going to be real fights, not all, you know, the red corner winning every time. And it, it's, it's going to be a real good program. I, I'm, I'm really excited for it. I got so much on my yeah. plate. And that, that Tuesday and night is going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And you know what? Honestly, let, let everyone that's going to go there take an Uber or a Lyft. Oh yeah, get oh, yeah. sloshed, be... get hammered, 
but don't drive home. No, no, and, <laughs> and, and he has the right to keep the, to keep the club open as long as he wants after the show. So it's not going to be Ooh. the fights are over and everybody's going to be shoot out. So they're going to keep the bars open and you know Tom's vision club is club waffler. We're going to be listen. The fighters are going to be there. The camps, the trainers. You want to be able to, you know, for for fans, it's good to be able to intermingle with the people, with the fighters, with the people in the industry. That's part of the magic of what he's trying to create there. And like I mentioned, you have a venue that holds barely 600 people. It's going to be a tight house. The venue itself is absolutely historic. It's like, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful in there. It's unreal. Every seat's going to be great, and it's just going to be, it's going to be a great experience. I'm really looking forward. So to that it. should be the tagline, the slogan, Boone. Come for the fights. Stay for Club Loffler. Club Loffler. <laughs> All right, Booty, we'll talk. Gentlemen, thank you very much, and uh, I appreciate it as always. Absolutely, and there he is. Everyone's favorite guest on the next round, Jim Boone, Mr. KO Tickets. And, again, if you want to reach out to him, you could do so at Twitter, at KO Tickets. And, uh, you know, listen, he took a little bit of a bath because of the weather. But I saw him at the fights with Brad from Gainesville. He actually came out for that, or Jacksonville, excuse me. And you know what? He was having a great time. Jim was like, you know what? What am I going to do about it? It is what it is. He was enjoying the fights like everyone else. And every fan that was there uh, on Saturday, my my salute to you guys. Um, Everyone had a good time. It's one of those things. It's like my trip to the Silverdome years ago. I, I look upon that very fondly. You know, you do this for the experiences, something like that. I'll look back and I'll remember fondly uh, for the rest of my life. Gabe, going back to the Twitter timeline, Easy Ed from the U.K. joins us, and he says, Wait aside, was very impressed by both Quig and Valdez, though for a guy who wins wide, the punishment he takes made me wince. He also adds, Kim versus Hearn. Was a fight of the year contender too for a walkout bout. Let it all hang out in the rematch. You had him going. And Gabe, this is another lesson in all seriousness. Me and Eddie are fine. Uh, we shook hands afterwards. Hey, said Eddie, thanks for answering the question. Yeah, we're good, Steve. But that's another lesson to people that want to cover this game. You have to be there to actually be able to answer questions or ask questions. Sometimes I could have easily have watched that on TV and basically had the same observations. But if you want to do stuff like question people, Gabe, you know this, you got to be there. <laughs> yeah, you got to be, be there. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife laughs at me because I talk to the TV because uh, I'm not there anymore. Uh, but uh, it's usually the max. Uh, but, uh, yeah. yeah you know, uh, <laughs> no, no, he had you throwing stuff at the TV, not just yeah. talking to it. Big difference. He's got me learning Spanish so I can just listen to the other feed. Uh, you know, you know the, you're talking about the, the rain. When we, I went to St. Lucia, it rained uh, during the card, and you know there was no real. I mean, press row was literally me. I was the only writer, and then there was a, a radio show. Rich, Rich Murata's radio crew was there. We were the only press. Ah, Neutral was, Corner, great show. Yeah, Neutral Corner, great show. Uh, and and uh, what was funny about it was like uh, all the St. Lucians were very excited. They hadn't had the you know boxing there in forever, if ever, like a major card like this. Uh, but it was in an outdoor cricket stadium, 
And, you know, it's the Caribbean, so flash rains happen, I guess. So they didn't tell us. So, well, we're picking up the table for press row and trying to move it closer to the ring, you know, under the uh, kind of a cover of the ring. Uh, we look behind us, and the St. Lucians haven't moved, but everybody's wearing ponchos or has their umbrellas out. They're just smiling, watching the fights. Uh, you know, that, those are real fight fans. And I love seeing the pictures this weekend on your Twitter feed and others. Uh, of Somebody that was there sent me a picture of you alone on press row. Uh, that's just, <laughs> as you said... You that's that's the, the greatest place. press row I've ever been on, i got to tell you. Well, I made a decision. Listen, I understand that if you are doing deadline uh, and you have your laptop, you kind of have yeah. to be sheltered. I get it. I, I was joking about but you know, But me, since I always write the wraparound piece and I could tweet on my phone, I didn't even pack my laptop bag, Gabe. I said, what, what am I doing with this? Okay, this is just going to get in the way. I might even lose it. So because I'm not doing stuff like Michael Baca, for instance, who had to go to the press box, and he's got to actually do writing that night, I mean, it's just water. <laughs> you know, and yeah. I wore thermals up top and on the bottom. It was a good time. You know, and then we all went back to the fight hotel, had a few drinks, and, you know, it was a good time. I honestly don't regret it, but I, I can't wait to get back to our weather. Here's a tweet from Hamanites, Gabe, and I think you might agree with them here. Just because Lipinets turned out to be better than everybody, including Garcia, expected, in my opinion, he shouldn't get a pass for jumping around, picking off the quote-unquote perceived weakest title holders. Go back to 135, plant his flag, but again, look who's, look who's advising the free agents. Hard to yeah, disagree. Uh, no, it's you know. Oh, you beat a nine-to-one favorite to take his belt and disrupt his career. <laughs> Congrats! Yeah, because you have the power to do that. It's it's like a power dick move. Uh, and I was going to go back, maybe drop the belt, but you can say, oh, yeah, I've got four. Yeah, four of the of what do you really have? Uh, yeah. Have, you know, as Chris G's Rock once said, as Chris Rock once said, you fed your kids. Good job. You're supposed to do that. Hey, I I stay out of jail could you're supposed to do that you don't get extra credit for doing something you're supposed to yeah <laughs> you know? exactly right three four seven uh two one five seven five nine eight game let's go back to the phone lines uh, they're starting to light up again and uh, at the 30 minute mark we go with jimmy's corner oh jimmy's corner who stole the show last week uh, what's Jimmy? going on? I'm not as medicated today, guys, so I'm not as hyper, sorry, but, uh, oh, yeah, no, I was going to, at first, I was going to crucify Quig for not making a way because with the foot thing, it's like, what, you ain't got a fucking elliptical, you know, a stationary <laughs> bike, you know what Mini I mean? Cycle. How many pro athletes blow their knee out and they can't run anymore, but when I saw pictures of him the day of the weigh-in, man, he looked like gaunt. He really did look, he did look Dead. No, let me just say this. I was a little bit of Kim yeah. Stradamus on Thursday. I, I saw a picture of him at the weigh-in, and I tweeted, boy, he looks awfully gaunt. He really did. He did. He did. So that, well, that, he, so that yeah. tells me right there. Oh, I'm sorry, Gabe. I cut you off. Well, just, I, I just remember that like, the first live fight I ever covered in live weigh-in as a reporter was uh, Castillo Corrales 3. And I remember how terrible Castillo looked, and, but he was, what, four and a half pounds over? Yeah, yeah. Gabe, that was the most depressing weekend um, as Gary Shaw and Bob had to tell hundreds of thousands of fans at the public way, and hey, guys, uh, yeah, uh, this this ain't going to happen. And I remember they went on with the show, 
but they refunded all the tickets. I think Vic Darchinian fought some Mexican, and there was like 14 people at the Thomas and Mack Center that night. Yeah, it was, it was mm-hmm. yeah, it was kind of like the reverse. It was like it was raining indoors. I remember that it was, it was nobody there. <laughs> James Kirkland opened up the card. That was the first time I saw him. Uh, I was going to head out to the arena, but he knocked the guy out like the first round. Uh, yeah, it was. I thought it was pretty exciting because it was a big story happening. It was my first time out, so. <laughs> oh no, man! I'm enjoying it. I'm listening. Um, yeah, but brings me to my second point. Like it kind of ties into this. How old is Quig? Hold on, I'll check it right now. I think he's in his late twenties. Okay, late twenties. All right. So now this goes in. This ties into the whole inactivity. When you're fighting constantly, like back in the day, like these guys would have five, six, seven fights. He's twenty nine years old. Twenty nine years old. So there is, you know what? And you can say one thing about when you get older. You can say I experienced those years. As you get older, it gets harder and harder. And people think twenty seven to twenty nine. There's a difference. Your body is constantly. Like you don't. You. You're physically don't done maturing. Like your muscles, the reason why your best bodybuilders, Lee Haney, all those guys, uh, Lee, uh, Dorian Yates, all look their best in their late 30s because that's when your muscle frame is done growing. Like the, the muscle huh. cells get hard and whatnot. Yeah. Interesting. You'll physically stop growing that way, and it doesn't become denser. <clears throat> so you're still constantly growing. So, and I can um, – so, you know, back in the day, guys like Mickey, for instance, he walked around at 100 and – 56, 157 pounds, and he fought at 140. He would say all the time, dude, I could get down to 130. If I killed myself, I could easily get to 135, but I'm not as strong. I'm not as durable. This is my weight, and he stood there. You know what I mean? That's where, to me, that's how boxing is. You find your weight, you're comfortable. These guys were killing themselves in game. I hear you. These kids are dying over it. That's crazy. But what does it tell you? You're not fighting in the right weight class. You're yeah, I, telling you, dude, your fucking shouldn't be here. If you're playing that kind of game where you're like electrolytes are shutting, you know, going so low, you're shutting off, you're, you're in the wrong game. And if, now that's part of the danger. Now, here's, okay, they started the day before weigh-in for safety reasons, right? Okay, now here's the danger. When it was the same day, you wouldn't dare play that fucking game. You wouldn't come in people holding you yeah. backstage, helping you onto the fucking scale because you knew you had a fight in seven hours. So you fought at a comfortable weight. These guys are trying to play it out because, listen, I know the diet game, and I'll tell you, you give me a, a night, I'd, I'd fucking wake somebody up every two hours, wake them up, and I'd shove fucking jars of planterol fruit down their throat. I would carb load them. I would get them so much glycogen in their liver. And when you sleep, it's when you grow. That's the only time your body will physically grow is during REM sleep. Everything's hmm. quiet, just wake them up, feed them, wake them up, feed them. And I'm telling you, you could watch. I used to watch my veins explode in my arms, dude. It was crazy, but doing their top loading. <laughs> no, it was crazy as shit. But in high school, when I wrestled, because I couldn't wrestle at the class I wanted because the kid of my class would fucking kill me. <laughs> so I was forced to go to the one minute. He was just all American. This kid was insane, Sullivan. So I was forced to go to the class below. And I'll tell you, my hand to, on my father, who's passed away, go rest his soul, but... If somebody would have came to me and said, dude, these last two pounds, you don't have to take them off, but you have to slap that baby. I'm telling you, that kid better put his mitts up because it's <laughs> fucking, it's torturous, guys. It's fucking hell. And I was a child. I think, imagine being 29. Okay, you're living good. They're all, none of them are sucking dick for bear money at that level. You know what I mean? So they're all living good. You know what I mean? So they're all living fucking decent. So, 
it's hard all of a sudden to stop putting your body through that. And then to do it infrequently, it gets even harder. This all ties into the infrequency. Listen, the more you fight, the sharper you are. The sharper you are, the better the product, the better the overall health of the sport. So anybody justifying inactivity or once a year because they're getting paid, you're not a boxing fan. Because that whole thing, it has so much more ramifications. And this is one of them, the fucking playing with weight. Because you go eight months at a certain weight, and all of a sudden you're going to go 34 pounds lower? You know what I mean? Please. And again, one more thing on the Canelo thing. I'll tell you, when I got my buddy, I, I, he probably should have had a heart attack for the amount of clombuterol this clown was eating. And it flushed. <laughs> Zero traces in 72 hours. It takes four, it's, I think it's four days, has a shelf life of four days in your body. So the fact he popped twice, I mean, how much fucking meat was he eating? You know what I mean? Just so you know, that away. It's not when you, 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 you know, in Mexico, and another or, thing, you know, another thing, when you eat, ingest, the reason why you don't sit there and, you know, like fucking certain shit just, Steroids are stuff you shoot in. Well, st- everything. Oh, let me, all right. All that shit gets stored in your body fat. The leaner you are, like even heroin addicts, when they get clean, the fat junkies are sicker longer because the drug stays in your fatty tissue. Mm. So the fact, that, no, yeah, that's how it. That's why you see a lot of that. The new Florida where you go for the fucking twenty-four hour withdrawal, they just suck the heroin shit right out of your system. Basically, they suck it out of your fat. It's crazy. So the leaner you are, the easier it is to flush your system. That's the reason why bodybuilders, even the tested shows, man, are dirty up to the week before because they've learned to manipulate things. You know what I mean? So, I, I mean, just come on. He disappeared. He, he changed. You just go by, like, you say court. You put it in court. Okay, you changed your routine. You don't normally do what you did. He disappeared. Before this popped, I heard the rant. I heard a few different people just say, wow, Canelo looks bigger. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, a few days later, the, you know, that comes out. I'm just saying, like, yeah, you said earlier, smoke this fire. It's just, you know what? And again, like you said, Steve, want to be fair, test the hair. Seriously, shut everybody up. I'll be the first one to say, wow, I owe that fucking, that fucking Mexican a lot of an apology. But uh, the thing about the, the hair is that it's not like we don't have, it's like, God, if only we could tell if he was doing drugs or not. Like, we, we have the solution. Yeah, right? It exists. Uh, I know. We have that thing. Exactly. You know? If I was Canelo, and again, like everybody, including you guys, said this is going to hang over this kid's head forever. If he pops, pulls a fucking hair, poop, pulls it out, done. Oh, he, no, he's had no steroids, no clomiterol. And, and, and then they would tell if it was really into meat because through the growth periods. So, mm. right. You know, you know what I mean. You want to, you want if he's really worried yeah, about his, I, you know, his. Image, I don't really buy the, you know, oh, he's bigger. Well, you know, boxers, their weight fluctuates like mad. Of course. So you know, yeah, no, he looks fat, but he's a big, thick kid. You know, he can put on ten pounds because that's what fighters do. You know. Yes, in uh, the muscle structure, but and he's he's a per, he's got the mesomorph, ectomorph. He's got small joints, round muscle bellies. He's you know, he's. A, I love Canelo. Don't get me wrong. I've always been a huge Canelo fan. And I'm not going to, and I, would I be surprised he's dirty? But you know what? It kind of broke my heart, to be honest with you, when I heard it. I was kind of like, ah, because I just didn't think he needed it. But I know if I, but you know what? I'm not going to lie. I'll tell you my integrity level. If I knew I was going to get punched in the face by Gennady Gennafkin, <laughs> I'd be taking boatloads of everything. <laughs> no, I just Jimmy, around, guys. But, yes, sir. Jimmy, in your opinion, two questions on the fights this weekend. How much do you think? 
Quig was aided by the extra poundage in taking the punches from Oscar Valdez. Well, by looking how sickly he looked on the way in, tremendously. Like I said, if when I was at that point, I'm like, oh, God. And I'll tell you, those last pounds, it's just fucking brutal. I'm telling you right now, if I had to stop at that last two pounds, my strength level would have been so much better the next day. But again, mm. it, but again, the fact that he was already that, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, but he was already that sick just 24 hours. Because I'm telling you, that's not normal. When you're like that, that's, you're in a starvation mode. At that point, your body's eating muscle. It's actually eating itself alive to stay alive. So you're in a sickly position. Your body doesn't know if you're in an accident, if it's doing it on purpose. So it just goes into its mode. So he was already weakened to begin with. But yes, absolutely. I think whether it helped him or not, the guy, it shouldn't be equal when the guy who put in all the work, you know, because you know, he had to you know, push those weights through too. Can I just say real quick, man, when I saw that special with him, all the animals, man, I love that kid now. Because I always say, you can always <laughs> tell a guy, you can always tell a man by how he treats animals. I believe that my whole heartedly. Oh, I see the way Jimmy, he loved his animals. To me, that just, you know, thumbs up to him for that. He part. told me a yes, funny sir. story about a year and a half ago about his pet alligator, which, by the way, he named Steve. Steve, that, yep. um, Steve got <laughs> lost. Like three, four years ago. So he's in Mexico and he's watching TV. You don't know where Steve is. Poor guy, he's pet gator. And the Mexican news says, oh, we have a pet ga- uh, an alligator on the loose. And Oscar goes, wait a minute, that's Steve. And he called the authorities and that's how he got back his pet alligator. Well, that's, that's Things- cool. Let him in shoot it. Now, you know um, I mean? now, Jimmy, your thoughts on <laughs> Garcia Lippinets. Did you Did you find yourself saying, huh? You better you better All hold right. on to that move to 147 a little bit longer. Oh. Yeah, come on. He 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 looked he didn't look he's never looked ripped. He's just not that type. He's not the type to look ripped. Um, I'll tell you that counter left though real quick. That left he caught Lipinitz, man. That was about as beautiful a left hook. That thing was just precious. But anyways, yes. Um, I don't know who you said tweeted something. I didn't hear who you said it was, but I think you nailed it on the head. I think Lipinets just turned out better than I'm sure even Garcia thought he was going to yeah, be. Yeah, so no doubt. So going into that fight, remember going into that fight, put your mindset where it was before that fight. Everybody was like, really, Lipinets? By far the weakest of the title holders, I think, or received title holders. So just because that kid, you know, all of a sudden threw out a good storm, it's like, oh, okay, so everybody's chipping. But, again, it's empty. Brown is a fourth title holder. Like you guys said, if he retired today, okay, I'm done. I got four titles. Is he going to be up in fucking New York? Ricky no Burns. Ricky yeah, Burns. Exactly. He's probably a better just, version of Ricky Burns. You've got to establish something. You know what I mean? Make something. Get, I mean, at 135, listen, and again, the reason why I get disappointed with Lippinets, it's not because, all oh, you cherry pivot. It's because I think that kid's that special. That left hand he's got, there's not too many guys at 135 is going to take that left. Yeah. But definitely not Absolutely. Lenaris. But, but Lenaris has got the footwork. Because I'll tell you right now, for looking at the touch, Garcia the way he was, mm. I mean, mm. I'm just thinking, if he could, you know what I mean? If he could touch you like that, well, you know, Lenaris could probably touch him. It would just be one of those, can Lenaris stay out of the danger zone? But that's tricky with because he knows all the tricks. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's what, to me, makes that fight, it's going to be a battle, you know, with the, you know. So I think that's what makes that fight so exciting. But listen, I'm sure you got guys saying that the motherfucker never shuts up but, uh, behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, you guys have a great night, man. All, all right, right. Jimmy, as always, like FedEx, delivering. That was Jimmy's Corner. 
347-215-7598. Gabe, who's next? Uh, 917, you're live on the next round. 917. Gabe, Steve, it's a milk card. Thanks for taking um, my where, where have you been? Where have you been? You, you know, I was telling Gabe, actually, I, I coach basketball at my school. I coach middle school basketball. Oh, okay. Got we you. had a long, the kids. long the kids. season, man. Yeah, the kids. Exactly. So I'm kind of like a bear in hibernation during basketball season, but we're we're over with that now, so I'm back back with you guys. But I've been listening every week, every week. So, so what's um, on your mind? Get it all out, Emil. All right, I got you. I got you. Look, I, I on, wanted to co-sign. Put it on layaway. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So I wanted to co-sign what Jimmy was saying uh, in terms of the science behind, you know, why I suspect Canelo highly of uh, using clenbuterol. But also, to be honest, I think that he's trying to benefit from kind of the bigotry, prejudice that there is against Mexicans, the United States, and also just frankly about the ignorance there is about Mexico. Like, uh, my grandfather uh, was from Mexico, and uh, after high school, I went to live in Mexico City for a little time. And um, I actually went back there again for study abroad when I was in college. And I'm going to tell you what, man. I've never had been to a place with so many hippies and people interested in eating organic and going green. And, uh, you know, Mexico City, Guadalajara, these are like metropolis advanced places. The idea Hmm. that someone would think that an elite athlete would be eating, you know, street meat and, like, tacos and uh, uh, drowning them with Coca-Cola while he's on his way to work, which is a working-class dude down there, obviously – but this is a multi-millionaire elite athlete. If middle-class people in Mexico City and Guadalajara are, are drinking kombucha and eating quinoa and, you know, spreading flaxseed and chia seeds all over the salads, you really think that Canelo is eating street meat from the market? Like, who believes this? The only way somebody yeah. believe that is if they're totally ignorant about Mexico and they think well, it's like what you see when you cross the border into Tijuana, like, that's not the life Canelo lives. I, I, yeah. This is the one thing I haven't established yet, though, is that everybody's assuming that clenbuterol meat is cheap meat. Is it? Because it, he's not it, eating it He's not eating that meat, Gabe. He's not eating that meat. This is a guy who has personal chefs cooking his meals. Like I said, the the, the accountant and the lawyer and the doctor and the the university professor in Mexico are eating at equivalent of Whole Foods. These places exist all over Mexico. Camelo's not eating any damn street meat, man. There's no way. There's no way. I guess, yeah, if if it has clenbuterol in it, it wouldn't be certified organic is what you're saying. Not at all, man. And like I said, sorry, go ahead. I'm kind of on a tangent. (laughs) I'm saying because clenbuterol, it, it improves the protein content and it makes the meat leaner. Wouldn't that improve the quality of the meat? Yeah, that's what it, I'm, I'm wondering. We're all assuming look, that it's it's street meat, but is it? <laughs> well, let me put it to you this way: he's not eating that in the places where people like Canelo would be getting their food, and where his chefs would be getting their food. There's just gotcha. no way. Yeah, there, there, and by the way, um, Milkar, I've equated yeah. this to like smoking. If you smoked in 1965. There's a possibility you had no idea you were going to risk lung cancer and emphysema. You start smoking with after all these years of the Surgeon General's warning and other examples. If you start smoking now, I don't feel sorry for you, what you're going to be doing to your body. 
Not Ignorance at, all. at this point could not be a defense mm-hmm. in my view. Not at all. So, I mean, that's just my take on it. I think absolutely there's no excuse for an elite athlete in Mexico or, or Brazil or anywhere else testing positive for clembuterol. There's just not. Not the, I mean, these are advanced places, man. Rich people live over there. Like, there's no, there's no way this happened, number one. Number two, um, they got to take the hair follicle, man. Mm. They got to yeah. take the hair follicle. There's no two ways about it. I'd be demanding that if, if, I, was, if I was, sorry, a Triple G and his, and his team. They, they have to take the, demand the hair follicle. So I, I just wanted to double down on everything, uh, I heard Jimmy saying um, before I got on. And, now, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Amilcar, anything stand out to you since the time you've taken this hiatus inside the ring? Anything you're like, oh, I like that, that I hated, that's interesting. Anything stand out well, to you the last couple of months? Absolutely. Number one, the Super Series. You know, yes. I've been watching it on, on, on YouTube and – you know, I heard Robert a few episodes ago saying that uh, he wished it was on TV, and it would be nice if it was on TV, but you know what? You go to Best Buy, you pick up a Chromecast, and I throw everything on my laptop right onto my TV. It's no big deal. Mm, like, I was watching it in full HD. You know what oh. I mean? I'm guessing I'm a little bit younger. Maybe I know about that stuff, but if there are other people out there that want to watch stuff like the World Series of Boxing, not World Series of Boxing, or World Super Series. You know, just get a Chromecast, man. Put it on your TV. It was in total HD bliss. I was watching hmm. that on, wow. on my okay. screen. And I thought that those fights were, were like, very high level. Um, the Dortikos-Gassiev uh, fight, still to this day, to me, is the fight of the year so far. I thought it was very entertaining boxing, fought at a high level between two very skilled uh, skilled boxers. And, um, you know, I heard uh, Jim Boone saying that he thought that uh, uh, the card last week was like a monster card or crowds or whatever. I'll be honest with you. I was almost going to go down to the Barclays to watch that fight uh, last weekend. And I just decided to watch it at home. But there were still plenty of tickets available. And, yeah, um, you know what, though? In all fairness, though, that's a big yeah. venue. I mean, I guess the Barclays announced 14000 you know, that's still 14,000 now. Do I think they inflate the numbers? I've been told they do, but it's still a good crowd, electric atmosphere. Problem is, that's a huge – I think that seats like, what, eighteen to 19,000? That's a big room. It's a big room. Well, that's half of it. The other half of it is that this guy is the same guy that's saying he wants, you know, almost parody, if not parody. Well, and that's another sure. issue. Well, <laughs> Milkar, you know where I stand on that. That's a whole absolutely. other issue. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, you cannot – you can't sell out – what I think the Barclays is like the smallest NBA and NHL uh, arena oh. in North America. Yeah, Didn't know I, that. I, I'm, Didn't I'm know pretty that. sure it is. It's definitely a lot smaller than, than the Garden. <clears throat> One of the reasons I like don't like going there is when you're in the upper deck, you almost feel like you're falling over because they really pack people in over there. It's, it's, <laughs> Jeez, it's not a nice. Don't lean over, huh? <laughs> no, don't lean over. And. Um, so you can't sell out a, a small size arena in your own country, and then you're all over talking shit about fighting Anthony Joshua and demanding all type of crazy money for it. Like Anthony Joshua's putting ashes in seats. Yeah. I mean he's he's fighting in another country and he's putting 
what is it, well, 75000 in there? So Yeah, and Milkar, you know what's yeah. going to be interesting? My understanding is it's a, it's a done deal. If, if he beats Joshua, uh, Parker, excuse me, to unify the titles, Jarrell Miller wins his next fight. August 25th, he'll be fighting in New York. Now, I heard it was the Garden, and now I'm hearing it's the Barclay Center. But what type of message would that be if you see this British invasion like Ricky Hatton, where he actually just flat out sells out a venue? What what will they say then? I'm going to be honest with you. If he fights at the Garden or at the Barclays, I'd even throw in the Prudential in Jersey or the Nassau Coliseum. Anthony Joshua selling it out. Ooh, bold prediction. You know, I'm telling you, you got, you got to combine the local fight fans and New Yorkers. They know about Anthony Joshua. The New York fight community that I'm a part of, like, we come out to fights. We know the fighters. It, I think it's similar in L.A., right? Mm-hmm. You combine yeah. that with, with the guys that come out from, from England, oh, my goodness. Now, like, Amilcar, yeah. May 12th, if Loma Linares is a done deal, are yeah. you coming out for that? That was going to be what I was going to close on. Um, number one, I'm buying lower bowl tickets to that. Ooh. I'm not going to be the, no, the nosebleeds. And number two, <laughs> uh, if you come out, it's going to be drinks and shots on me, man. No, that's what we're doing. We're going to get more that's shots than doing. Tupac and Biggie. Trust me. There you go. All right, well, Mirkar. On that note, uh, I'm glad to be back. You guys have a yeah. good evening. Thanks for getting me on. All right, absolutely. Mil- I missed the milk call. I was wondering what happened to him, man. I was like, okay. Yeah, 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 I'm glad right. he's back. Season. Yeah, all right. right. Hey, it's for the kids. The kids are our future. Yeah. Kids, kids are our future. <laughs> Triple G ain't going to ask for that hair test. I mean, <laughs> hey, you know. Sometimes you find out a little too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, really? I have but yeah, well, you know, well, hold on. Didn't I send you my audio that me and Doug did with Gennady, right? I sent that to you last week. Yeah. There was this one particular answer where the translator kind of skimmed over it. I don't think it was on purpose. It's just that, again, when translating is very difficult and you're doing it on the fly, I get the sense Gennady on this one answer said, ah, he's been on it. I faced him one time with it, whatever. Didn't you get that feeling from that one thing he said? Oh, now I got to go back and listen to it. Yeah, go back because uh, he said something about specialists that told him about something about the growth hormone. <laughs> what I thought was interesting. Oh man, yeah, you know, I, I mean, it's interesting watching everybody like the Twitterverse come out when a positive happens and people start talking. Ishay Smith was very vocal. Um, Memo Heredia did some interviews. Victor Conte uh, did the. Circuit. The irony. The irony. <laughs> It was interesting about E.J. Smith is I've heard him talk about testing. Now, he may have been, you know, I think he's in the, the VADA program, or he is, he's listed as. But I looked at the, the website for USADA, and according to their website, and I cross-checked, you know, looked at other fighters and went year by year thinking maybe I was screwing something up. But according to USADA's website, they've never tested him. It's interesting that he has so much to say when he hasn't been tested in a program as part of an organization that said they would be testing all their fighters. And then in the stable, who had a promoter, Leonard Ellerby, who said, we'd be testing all of our fighters. And he said that, ironically, for the uh, Floyd Mayweather and Canelo promotion. So it's just oh. interesting. Uh, always makes me go, well, why are you so knowledgeable? I mean, I know you, you worked with Memo Heredia <laughs> and everything. How are you able to kind of point? I mean, you did have uh. a great performance at age 40. Uh, I don't know. It's just weird, you know? I guess while mm. we're throwing shade. But yeah. uh, we've got about six minutes left and a few more calls. Uh, let's go 619. You're live on the next round. 
Hey guys, it's Juan from San Diego. How are you? Hold on What's up, man? Talk to us. Hey, I'm calling in super late. Haven't been here listening, so you may have touched on this subject, and if so, I'll go back and listen to the replay. I think Mikey's performance basically makes it so we don't get Mikey Loma for a little bit. What do you guys think? Why is that? I just saw him to be very strong against Lipinets. I saw him to be kind of, you know, very disciplined. Um, he stayed in there. Um, he, he didn't go wild. Even when he heard him, he came right back. He didn't, you know, I, I don't know what round he heard him the first time. Um, and, and he just seemed strong. He seemed good at that weight. I don't think he's going to be very effective at 147. I think he needs to just say, okay, no. But at 135, given his performance at 140 against Lipinets, I think at 135, I don't, I, I kind of wondered if, 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 uh, if Loma could beat him. I don't think he could. I, I, I think, I don't think his punches are going to do anything to Mikey. Um, Loma's not that big, and I think he's going to, he'll be faster than him for sure. But I, I don't think he hurts him, and I think Mikey won't respect him and will eventually wear him down. Hmm. Now, what did you think of Quig Valdez this past weekend, Juan? That was a good fight. Um, I, I was, you know, I hated having to, to jump around. Guys, you know, just give us a break, boxing fans. You know, like let us watch one and then have to and then go to the other one. We don't have, we don't want to have to be jumping around. But other than that, I thought I think it was a good fight. I I liked the heart that Valdez showed, um, and that showed that he could be in there with a bigger guy, but he, he didn't show a lot of other dimensions. You know what I mean? He was the same Valdez. He just, he's just a, a ballsier Valdez, but he was the same Valdez. He definitely beat Quig, um, but, you know, a guy with a little more kind of spring in his step, I'm not sure how good Valdez will do against him. Hmm, interesting. Now, yeah. Juan, what's the one fight you're looking forward to coming up on the calendar? Uh Canelo, Triple G, obviously that's mm. the big marquee fight. Um, big marquee fight. There's others that I think are going to be interesting, but but the Canelo Triple G to me is like the the, the big one. I, I definitely want to see uh, Joshua Parker as well. I want to see if Joshua is as dominant as we think he's going to be. And um, I I heard your guys' arguments about you know having that fight not happen this year. I think it needs to happen at the end of the year. I hope it doesn't. Ha- I hope they. Oh, I'm not. We're, we're, we're not arguing. I just think realistically, it will not happen yeah. in 2019. That's that's just my personal sure. opinion. I don't have a horse in that race. That's up to Eddie Hearn and whoever is acting as the promoter for Deontay Wilder that week to decide. And and oh, and let me ask. Let, let me answer your question a different way. Is Mikey? Yeah, I'm sorry. Is Linares Loma a done? I, I thought it was. Is it, it, is it completely finalized? Have I booked my flight to Newark, New Jersey to go to New York City yet? No. Do I think I'll be doing it soon? Yes. Then that's the fight I'm looking forward to. Yeah. And that's okay. definitely a fight. More than Triple G Canelo, I think, because I think that's a fight where I, I, don't, know, I don't know what's going to happen. I think Loma will beat him, but, you know, Linares, Linares can box very well. So I, I think that's an interesting fight. I think it's more interesting than Triple G Canelo because I think Triple G Canelo, we're going to see round 13. I think Canelo's going to be a bit more active and he's going to get the W. Uh, yeah, and by the way, I think it's a great look for boxing to have Canelo Golovkin 2 and then a week later to have Loma Linares. I think that, yeah. that, that's, that's a dynamite doubleheader back-to-back Loma weeks. Linares 
is a better fight, I think. But uh, yeah, no, excited. It's going to be a good, uh, good first half. All right, Moi, we got to get running, okay? Take it easy, guys. Talk to you next week. And, and let's try to stick one last caller in here, Gabe. All right. Um, let's see. Six one nine. No, we just did that. Actually, it's a different six one nine. So we'll try it. Uh, you're live on the next round. Then it have to go. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the other one. <laughs> There's a new one. How <laughs> are you guys? Man, I was going to say, Juan, you looked, you sounded a little different. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's funny because uh, there's a new one in my in my job, and everybody calls me new one, and I'm like, oh, this is the next round. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, I want to touch on what Amilcar was saying because uh, even though I agree with him about, you know, I lived in Tijuana all my life, uh, and uh, I've been to Guadalajara plenty of times because we have friends down there, and we used to do some work over there, and Guadalajara is uh, – it's a big metropolis. It's a very modern, very beautiful city with places that are high-end. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You know, most Mexicans, even rich Mexicans, will go to the taco shop. I don't agree with them. We do go there. Everybody does that. So even though I've been, you know, a big critic of Canelo, I do think that he might have done it. Like, he might have gone to the taco shop like any other Mexican does. You know, he, he might have, have, but here's the difference. You're not the one being tested. Exactly. That that's, my, that's the criticism I have. That's the criticism that yeah. he should know. He should know. He's he's dumb for not knowing, because you know that you're going to get tested, and you still go do that. Come on, dude. You know that's my yeah. criticism. I, I'm not saying he's dirty. I'm just saying, dude, 